Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is its own adventure, so you can dip in and out of them as you please, like a lucky dip filled with monsters and chaos. But, pray tell, who do we have with us this week? Well, let's find out together. Tobias is a tall, thin set of walking armor with blue lights for eyes. He's a barista slash bartender slash abjuration wizard and wears a black polo shirt over his armor. He loves to make drinks to make people happy. He's a man of steel with a heart of gold. Boltzmann is a brain in a jar rolling around on on very greasy wheels. He's uh, in a glass tube. He's got a lid on top of his uh, brain, I guess, uh, that two arms protrude from, which he uses to uh, cast magic spell. He's, he's a scientist, an engineer, a mathematician, an artificer, a wizard. You you name it. Technically, he's a, he's a blade singer 12, artificer uh, 3, a battlesmith artificer. He's got some companions with him, namely his steel defender, the, uh, the robotic chimp, Mr. Langley, who's always there uh, to wait on, on, on Boltzmann, and his pet displacer beasts, an eight-foot-long, tentacled, six-legged cat monster. And, of course, Tanninger Goodfellow. Bard, cleric, fighter, icon. He's recently purchased a sailing ship. And today, the satyr is wearing a double-breasted sailor's jacket, a little captain's hat that sits between his horns. His tanned skin and dark brown hair are covered in sea foam as he looks out upon his crew, loading crates upon crates of liquor. He's having a good day today. Well, we'll see if that continues, shall we? <laughs> and there's me. I'm playing literally everyone else in this whole adventure. So, we're all caught up? Great, let's begin. Now, this particular adventure takes place in the Formoy Dunes, far to the northwest of Nicomoy, where there is no sea to be seen. Unfortunately for Tanninger, the day has suddenly got a lot worse. Now, the whole area is famous for its silk industry and ancient ruins, but unbearably hot during the summer and freezing cold during the winter, so most of the time, the only people there are archaeologists having a really bad time. Right now, though, it's the time of year when it's actually quite pleasant, and the archaeologists go back home. So when the three of you receive tickets to an all-expenses-paid trip to the resort and spa there, you leap at the chance to have a guy's getaway weekend to, as Tanager puts it, finally get you an outfit that I wouldn't mind be seeing in public with. <laughs> so, as such, when you look out of the train window about 10 minutes before you arrive at the station, you find it decidedly odd that a dig seems to be taking place out in the dunes, especially as the brochure says that traditionally no digs take place at this time of year. You put this out of your mind for the moment as the train grinds to a halt and the doors open. A waft of hot, dry air hits your faces, and you suddenly feel the urge to get a nice cold drink. This is an urge Tanninger knows well, and upon seeing the dig before the train stopped, would have changed out into a little, you know, tan-colored archaeologist outfit with a plith helmet, and like, uh, fully needs to be ready in case of archaeology. 
you you've got like a a, a box with a glass a cover with a little hammer on the front which is breaking case of archaeology <laughs> i was made fun of deeply for buying this but now who's the fool yeah now who's laughing <laughs> yeah Indeed, Tanager, it always pays off to come well-prepared. I myself, of course, have a coolant system integrated in my very body so that my brain is not bothered by the heat. Not that it has any thermal thermal censoring of its own. Mr. Langley, bring my suitcases. (laughs) I mean, does does your monkey butler talk or am I just making monkey noises? Uh, They are... He is silent and stoic and... um, very dependable, very good, a great friend. Uh, he's my my therapist, my butler, my manservant, my bodyguard. He's all there is to uh, to a servant, but he's not making any noises. Okay, in that case, um, your monkey butler stoically nods. Well met. I see your attaché is very well trained. I prefer mine a little more wild, but a stoic butler is something very admirable. Ah, well, I like to have both sides of the coin. May I introduce you to Miss Motoko, my displacer beast pet. She will eat any human if I don't look at her directly. (laughs) Uh, Tanninger nods to the displacer beast and goes, well, I can't say I won't do the same thing. (laughs) Tobias um, sees its introductions time and... And pulls his, uh, out of his chest cavity, he pulls out his stuffed otter. And it waves at you. <laughs> and he goes, this is Snaps. I got him from the Sea Scouts from buying so many cookies. Ah. That is truly adorable. This is a robotic otter? Does it have any, any battle functionalities? Well, I use the artificer uh, homunculus thing. So I can actually see now, um, there's a walking armor, I, I don't have eyes. But um, I can see through the through the otter, so that's nice. Maybe I'll just and he like puts it in his uh, shirt, sticking out like at his neck, looking around. Maybe I'll just place it here so I can see as we go around and see the resort. Yes, let's uh, get off this train. And again, Tanja looks at the fact that he has changed into an appropriate outfit. Like we'll get you all some clothes. <laughs> You don't want to be seen with a set of armor with a, a stuffed otter. <laughs> oh, I would love to as long as he's dressed appropriately. Oh yes, let's get some <laughs> let's get some cool clothes for Tobias. He's looking forward to that. Wouldn't clothes just obscure my perfect body? <laughs> okay, uh, we can montage this shopping trip. Um, yeah. <laughs> so before heading to the resort, you guys just pop off to like the nearest uh, like clothes shop. As I said, the area is like known for its silk industry, so there is a lot of like very light, um, flowing clothing available to you. Most of it's white, obviously, because it's still pretty hot outside. So you can quite easily find a, a Tanager-approved um, flowy white robe or like a, a, a nice shirt. Or what? What is Tobias? Um, fancy in terms of desert wear i think i'm interested in what tanager would help him pick out (laughs) it's a full classic teen movie montage where you're going in the dressing room coming out in one outfit and i'm like "Mm, mm, mm, (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) you come out in a different one i'm like "Mm, mm, mm, not yet (laughs) um 
Tanger picks himself up the green J-Lo dress that she wore like 10, 15 years ago. I forget what the event was, but where it was like split down the chest, like in super like sparkly and like very thin. Um, and I'm thinking like just some nice silk wrappings for Tobias. Like, yeah, the polo shirt's nice, but like it's similar to I'm getting like olive vibes from you where I was like, that girl needs a Jedi dress. <laughs> And, like, got her some Jedi robes. So, like, something like that, but, like, very high quality. Where it's, like, simple, still the walking tank style, but, like, says status. And then I was thinking for Boltzmann, just a fun hat. (laughs) Just put it on top of your tank so it doesn't obscure your perfect body. But, like, yeah, maybe, like, a cowboy hat. (laughs) Tanager, I don't know how you've done it, but you've persuaded me. My body could use a a cowboy hat. Do you think we could put a hole in it for my exhaust pipe? <laughs> Absolutely. I get him a dual-horned <laughs> cowboy hat with, like, little holes drilled through the horn bits, so they smoke. <laughs> Smashing. That's quite a sight. Okay. <laughs> So after your little session of Queer Eye for the Sator guy. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. There we go. <laughs> Episode over. We're done here. Yep. Thank you for listening to Fire Breathing Kittens. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need. I feel like my best self. Uh, you start making your way over to the resort. Your uh, monkey butler, Boltzmann, has already beaten you to it. Obviously went there straight away because he's that good at his job. Um, so he's waiting there for you, looking rather impatient but professional, and in fact points you over towards the bar area, where there is, rather embarrassingly, someone sat at the bar wearing the exact same outfit as Tanager. Tanager, do you want me to disintegrate them? <sighs> I mean, yes, but not yet. We should at least give them a chance to apologize for their mistake. Let's go, boys. <laughs> <laughs> mean Girls walks over to them. Okay, you, as a team, you swan your way over towards this lone figure at the bar who, as you approach, turns around, looks at you and says, Ah, you got my invitation. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then looks, turn and drop him down and go, Oh, you got the, you got that box too, didn't you? Uh, kind of awkward. Uh Tanager immediately changes moods because now they're fashion friends. Because if they got it from the same box, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that breaking case of archaeology thing. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, So uh, what, like, species is this person? Okay, this person looks mostly human. Um, Traditionally, he tends to wear, um, you know, sort of an American revolutionary style long coat used to have kind of uh, pale bluish skin but not a, not so much anymore because i'm not sure if any of you any of you have particularly met him before but he will introduce himself and just go yeah sorry i know who all you guys are nesgrax talks about you all the time hi uh, my name is mendax i'm not sure if we've completely met obviously the face is a bit different and all that but but it's nice to meet all of you Hi there, I'm Tobias. Tanger bites his knuckle because Mendax is truly one of his heroes. And is like, oh my god, 
I'm in the presence of Mendax and just leans over, goes, hi, I'm Tanager, and uh, orders a drink, orders four drinks from the bar. Four drinks. Awesome. Um, just a bit, a bit of uh, background. Mendax Yarn Spinner, um, within the world of Fire the Kittens, was actually a pretty big um, like celebrity slash actor until he mysteriously disappeared the previous year. To the rest of uh, Nicomoy and, in fact, the world, he's just disappeared. No one knows um, where he's gone or whether this is just one of those things that he does as an actor. But in our world, in our um, little adventure podcasty world, he's been working behind the scenes, for the most part, to try and bring down that dastardly HHO with a various roster of different characters um, along for the ride. But we don't know any of that. No, that's why it's important to uh, bring people up to speed on these things so you <laughs> uh, under, understand what's going on. And also to any listeners who may not be quite au fait, because as we said, you can pick this up at any point. So if we get an important character coming in, it's important to mention it. So now everyone is caught up. It's time for a drink. Here, here. Barkeep, your most expensive four of anythings and keep them coming. I have someone to impress. <laughs> Quite right. Okay, uh, the bartender um, looks at you a bit scared, if anything, uh, takes a, a rusty key from their belt, um, walks over to the back of the bar room where there's a safe like hanging on the wall, um, puts the key in, holds their hand up to a little plate on the <laughs> on the front of the safe. Um, there's a a slight um, flash of green light. There's a, a clicking noise, and they turn the key, open the safe, and pull out the most majestic bottle you've ever seen. It's one of those like really fancy ones where it's um, the thickness is gradiated, so it's really thin at the bottom, but gradually gets wider towards the bottom. It has like a a, a circ like a, a spherical um, shape down at the bottom, and the neck is twisted, and the glass is frosted and kind of greenish. And inside you see like a swirly dark liquid that seems to shimmer with um, a sort of magic. And it is truly the best thing you've ever seen in quaffable form. Uh, Tanager weeps and then uses telekinesis to pour everyone drinks while he's like, So, um, Mendax, what's up? You, oh, you know Nezzy. Oh, yeah. Um, are we calling him Nezzy now? I thought we didn't like that. Yeah, we're, like, really close, so, like, he lets me call him Nezzy. Oh, okay. Okay. Not jealous. Not jealous. It's okay. It's okay. Yes, nailed it. I, I send through my <laughs> mental mind to my two bros. Like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Ment mentally high five. <laughs> yeah, just curious. What is this? What did this thing taste like when, when Tobias put it inside his helmet and analyzed it? This must be very meaningful for Tobias. Yeah, the, the, yeah. This liquor tastes um, different to each person, so it tastes of like the thing your brain wants the most at that exact point. So, what would Tobias like having you know come to a new place? It's really hot and dry outside. You've basically met a celebrity. What sort of flavor profile would Tobias be fancying right about now? Obviously, some sort of oil, but. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah some kind of oil uh perhaps like uh like a very thick mineral water 
you know, like water in the desert, but like also mineral oil. Yeah, maybe with that, like a splash of lime as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to have a little citrus when it's hot out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> so just deep analysis. You see the lights in Tobias's um, like eyes just twirling. Yeah. They're dancing around trying to figure out what this is because <laughs> it's, it's obviously magical. So you're like, this is completely new. I have no idea how to process this. It almost tastes like where he comes from, right? Like some kind of magical realm to him, right? So it tastes <laughs> like his dreams. Yeah. It's really difficult to describe the taste of dreams, isn't it? So <laughs> it would take you a while. That's fair. How about you, Tanager? What does it taste like to you? I mean, I want to be honest. I was going to say it tastes like impressing Mendax. <laughs> so whatever that tastes like. Uh, I guess passion fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Boltzmann puts in uh, a little uh, a little tube and pours it in uh, through a little funnel into his straight into his cerebral fluid. And I suppose uh, he does not have any taste receptors anymore, so he hasn't tasted anything good in uh, over a year since he became a brain in a jar, and uh, just starts weeping. <laughs> it's delicious. What is this? What is this miraculous fluid? How do you make it? Uh, the bartender just kind of goes, well, not many of these bottles left. These uh, these date back for some oh, 500 years now. I mean, the technology is lost nowadays. We don't, you know, there are maybe three bottles left in existence. And the other two, as far as I know, are in hands of very, very rich collectors. The only reason I got this was it fell off a shipwreck uh, some years back. I've kept it safe ever since. Uh, but, but, I mean, you guys are paying good money, so... Oh, yeah, Tanninger will pay whatever. Uh, explain this shipwreck, because I am recently acquired a boat myself, and I was told there was no coast near here. Oh, no, no, like, not from here, obviously. Was, you know, I was on some travel time. Oh, so where is it from? I, I need just, uh, <laughs> go ahead and write it down for me. Okay, the, the bartender writes down, you know, as much as they can remember from that time, you know, where they were. Uh, the name of the ship. Yeah, I uh, smell a sequel. <laughs> uh, oh, no, brothers, we we are too high level. This is like a ninth level quest. I'm going to throw this up on the bounty board. <laughs> Let somebody <laughs> else source, deal with this. Outsource, outsource, <laughs> yeah. outsource. Eat the is chugging the rest <laughs> of the bottle at this point. Oh, no. To him, it is like, an, like a fine old cognac. I think uh, I think Tobias takes his shot out of his helmet and hands hands it to Tanager because he didn't actually drink it. <laughs> it's just he just <laughs> analyzed it, and then and then he says, uh, "I realize now we're all we're all the same, we're all one, and there's no reason for us to. We we should all just be happy and enjoy it while we're here." <laughs> Can Tanager attempt to make some sort of check to drink this and taste what Tobias tasted? Can I taste what his home feels like? <laughs> yes. Um, give me two separate rolls. One of them perception uh, for like the taste, and then one of them arcana for you know the magical um, sense. Okay. So that's a seventeen and a thirteen. Okay. Um, so you don't 
taste exactly what um, Tobias is going through, but you get like a general sense of like empathy of like his like mental state at the time, and you kind of um, get uh, a sense of like um, ennui. If anything, you there's there's a sense of longing you get um, from having a quick <laughs> quick snifter of um, his drink. Oh, uh, Tandrew just moves physically closer to Tobias to, like, provide some level of comfort. And then uh, starts wiping the tears from Boltzmann with, like, a small handkerchief. <laughs> yes, yes, my my tube is leaking. I'm that moved. The bottle is gone now. I uh, will create some more. Since it's a very limited resource, I'm going to cast a fifth level creation spell through my Mizium apparatus to try and refill this bottle with uh, more of this magical drink. Uh, so I need to roll an Arcana check to do that. So there's a DC 20, I believe, for that one. Fifth level. That's a 25 I got. All right. So before the astonished bartender's eyes the bottle magically refills of this wondrous magical liquid and they look at you and as if they've they've just seen something that they never thought was possible and they're like oh my god what it's just science <laughs> science and magic you can do anything this time Boltzmann shares <laughs> i will say Boltzmann, though that uh, pouring the the liquor directly like onto your brain does count as a mild hallucinogenic. <laughs> so the more you have, the more weird stuff you're going to be seeing. Did I just drink most of the bottle? So up to you, DM, how uh, weird things are getting. <laughs> so just for the time being, everything's a little bit, um, just a bit blurry and slightly green tinted. Actually, you know how um, 3D movies used to look? If, uh, you know, with the red and blue like outlines on everything, that's how everything looks to you right now, like three D movies without the glasses. I can see through the strands of reality. Anyway, Mandex, what were you? Uh, what were you on about? What do? Uh, what can we do for you? Ah, oh, man, I'm feeling this stuff. Yeah, me too. It's it's str- this is amazing stuff. Ooh. okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I haven't drunk in ages. Oh. Oh, I've, been, I've been so serious recently. Um, okay. It will probably come as no surprise to you guys that I sent you those all expenses paid ticket things, whatever. And look, I'm sorry for, you know, tricking you, but I had to be sure that, you know, the HHO wasn't, you know, couldn't intercept it. But now you're here, I've got quite an important little task, if if that's all right. So you will have no doubt seen on your way in, you know, there's a seems to be some sort of dig going on out there. See, now usually the archaeologists, they've all gone home. They've buggered off. So for whatever reason, the HHO have hired every like digger in the area and they've unearthed some sort of like giant pyramid out in the dunes. So they're obviously looking for something. But whatever it is, or, you know, it can't be good. So I'm not sure how much uh, Nesgrax and any of the others who have like been part of it, maybe like Crud, maybe have um, caught you up on any of this. But um, we found out quite recently that uh, it's a bit of a bit of an awkward one. Um, 
the HHO has been screwing with us and the rest of Nicomoy for at least the last year or so. And we've only recently found out that the person pulling the strings behind all that was Nesgrax's old patron, Mephistopheles. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. That guy sucks. Hang on, hang on. Mephistopheles is running Heinz to help orphans? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, if only. If only. No, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a reference to Jinnah Party, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic episode, if I do say so myself. The other HHO. The other, the other, other, other. Yeah. One of many, as it turns out. We had to chase like loads of different leads. Most of them turned up completely empty. But yeah, yeah, we're finally closing in on what they're doing. And from the looks of it, they've spent like their last resources on this dig. So whatever they're trying to look for, they've spent all their rest of their money on it. And like Tanager, I know, you know, if you spend all your money on stuff, then it's got to be something pretty damn important. Oh, yes. And I would love nothing more than to kick the HHO in the teeth. They took, yeah, me too. I have a, I have a beloved attache, uh, Curry, and they took them from me. So, and I've never quite gotten my vengeance yet. And it sounds like you're telling me, Mendax, we could really do a blow to the HHO in this. Dig. Yeah, that's that exa- exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying if we get in there, we find whatever they're looking for first. We get out of there. They have like nothing left after this. It'll just collapse. We go in and screw up their operation, and we win. So we just blow up the pyramid. No, no. Come now, Boltzmann. You feel some metal arms crash around your shoulders, and he goes, It's a caper! And <laughs> Tobias doesn't know anything about being subtle, but lately he can read, so he's been reading a bunch of mystery novels. <laughs> so he, oh, cool. So he's like, so excited. He's so excited about being in a caper. He goes, you've got a task. We're all friends here. He's still got the effects of the alcohol going on. We're all in this together. Let, let's, let's do it. Let's do this. Tanager Goodfellow, professional alcoholic, feels a little bit like he's drinking with his younger cousins. He's <laughs> just like, all right, well, let's everyone get a glass of water first, and then... <laughs> oh, yeah, this is Tobias's first okay. actually being affected experience because it was a magic drink, right? So drinking whiskey never affected him before. Yeah, I mean, Tanager keeps plying you with... Like small doses of magical alcohol, but it's def- definitely keeping you in the safe zone. <laughs> like, we're come on, boy, we got a big night tonight. You got to pace yourself. So, Mendax, what can you tell us? Do you have any more intel, or are we just to show up there and start kicking rocks? Well, the only thing that really I have left to say is that this is an important one. Like, every other mission I've sent people on has always ended badly like every time like we send people to go and check out some like tremors in the earth a giant worm turns up and the like the the dgs gets destroyed that's the department of gnomeland security for long-time listeners we sent nesgrax cruz and olive to go and retrieve yul sevchenko like my old gang mates he ends up basically like dried out like a like a zombie and they managed to release an old demon prince. Everything keeps going wrong, so this is important, and I'm coming along with you this time. I was just going to say that was the, the missing part. You need to come with us. 
We need to do this together. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sitting back on my haunches this time. This is personal. We are almost done. We are this close to the finish line. And I reckon we can do it. Mandax, you know, you're an actor. You've read scripts before. Narratively speaking, you're going to die by the end of this adventure. I don't know. No, no I, f- I feel good about this. You're... I feel good about this, Tanager. We can do it. You're this close to retirement. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so close. Look, I can, I can almost smell the martinis. Uh... I want to get back to drinking again. It's been horrible, Tanager. I've been... It's the last year of just planning and hanging around with gnomes. I've been going crazy. Hey, my dad was a gnome. Gnomes are good people. So you know. <laughs> you know. They're good people, but they're boring. Uh, yes. I'm a brain in a jar, and your existence sounds like pain to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just group hug. Yes, group hug. <laughs> yeah, group hug, all crying. Good start to an adventure. <laughs> the otter joins in, too. Uh, when Tanger sees a, like, plushy otter start hugging people, he double downs on crying. It's too cute. <laughs> Mr. Langley, get in here. <laughs> I would say uh, Langley Monkey Butler instead of getting in on the group hug just wanders around the circle um, shaking everyone's hand <laughs> <laughs> that's cute too pleasure to meet you Mr. Langley by the way since the previous adventure has been installed with uh, both a rocket feet and uh, an assault rifle uh, strapped to his back because <laughs> he's Doing such a good job. It's okay. Tobias needs a moment. It's fine. Yeah, Tanager is also like, does that monkey have rocket feet? <laughs> or is it? Or is it just the alcohol? I can't tell anymore. I can I literally, if I didn't, if I had a copper piece for every time I asked if this monkey had rocket feet, <laughs> you'd have two copper pieces. But it's weird that it's happened twice. But I nailed it. All right. Uh, Tanager gets some liquor for the road, changes into, well, okay, is it, like, heat effect levels of hot outside, or can he wear a breastplate? Um, it's, it's, it's getting up there, it depends on what time of, uh, day you decide to go. What time is it currently? It's currently about, uh, early afternoon, let's say. So there's still time to go and, um, like, traverse the desert in daytime, or we could wait until nighttime. There will be a slight variation in how how the world presents itself, depending on whether it's uh, daytime or nighttime, but it will be interesting either way. So Tanger, like, rubs his chin and goes, okay, well, if we go at nighttime, that would benefit stealth. And I notice you two are largely mechanical. Indeed. Are you adept at stealth at all? No. <laughs> well, I have this... I have this invisibility spray. Yeah, I do have some dust of disappearance too. I uh, and and I can pick locks. And he pulls out these tools and he holds them out. I can pick locks. All right. Well, let's get some parasols. We'll go out, scout for a couple hours as the sun goes down, see what the guard change looks like, and then we'll hit them once it gets dark. And if they eat, eventually people have to have dinner. So. You know, catch them while their pants are down, so to speak. Yes, indeed. Let's uh, have a look at these guards. I, I, I will add to this that uh, Tanager Mandax, I believe that Tobias here, as am I, is adept in the art of wizardry. And as such, none of this will pose any threat to us. 
That's good to hear. Yeah, Tanger takes a shot and goes, last words of a dead wizard. <laughs> Don't worry about stealth. It's never helped me in anything. Cool. Uh, Tanger is also a trickery cleric, so he, he has some ways to help uh, if, you know, stealth becomes an issue. But uh, yeah, he's doing that thing where, like, you've been drinking most of the night, and then you're like, yeah, no, let's go to the bar. Like, let's get this adventure over with, dude. Frick the HHO. Agreed. Everyone just gets a couple of shots. Just <laughs> downs them. Let's do this! Exactly. Indeed. Before we go, I will uh, cast a telepathic bond between all of us. So notice that you yourself are telepathic already, Danager, but uh, let's just make sure that all our neural interfaces are linked. Oh, yes, no, I've only got, I've gotten so good at talking to people, I can talk to their minds, but they can't talk back, so this is very helpful. So I will cast, I will ritual cast Telepathic Bond, which establishes a telepathic link between all of us, including the pets. Let me double check how many people it affects. Up to eight willing creatures, I believe that uh, includes everybody. I think, I think that covers everyone, yeah. We effectively have three pets and then four of us. Well, the, and the otter, I think, as a homunculus, is technically just an extension of Tobias's mind. But yeah, yeah. Nonsense, let's get this otter in here. <laughs> <laughs> Tantra's bummed he didn't bring any of his servants, but he does have like an evil fairy that somehow he got put in charge of like teaching her how to be nice. So he was like, uh, Curry, can you stay behind, take care of Willie and Nixie? And eagle-eared listeners will know that's a reference to a previous episode. Uh, but yeah, uh, we get drunk, we get a walk-me-down. You know, Tanager is always stocked with a bandolier of liquor. Of course. But uh, we got to make sure we have a surplus, because we're about to go truly mess up the HHO. And... Uh, while we are all having fun, the importance of this is not lost on Tanager. So he's like going in military mode. He doesn't put on his armor often, but he is today. Okay, good, good, good. I will say we all travel. I can I can say that now because I've got a character in this. <laughs> we all travel over towards where the um, diggers you saw earlier are all camped out. It was about 10 minutes by train, so we'll call it about a two-hour walk. It's not quite hot enough to warrant like constitution checks for heat exhaustion and all that jazz because that slows things down. So let's just jump ahead two hours of like struggling through sand and trying to like um, cover up uh, Boltzmann's motivators so he doesn't get <laughs> full of sand. Tobias has to take off one of his feet and just empty it out and goes, whoa, there's a lot in there. And then we fast forward to two hours and we are standing on top of a dune overlooking this, frankly, enormous dig site. You see tents stretching out over towards the distance where there is at least a partially uncovered pyramid. It's a little odd. It's, it's not quite one of the full Egyptian ones. It's kind of half Egyptian, half Mayan. So it's not quite pointy, but it's not quite uh, ziggy zaggy either. Like a sloping ziggurat. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Everyone, put in mind your weird pyramid ideal. That's it. Boltzmann's cowboy hat is coming up from behind a sand dune as he has a look. Can I identify <laughs> any ancient culture that this spirit belongs to? 
not from this distance. Uh, we are going to be about, oh, let's say a quarter of a mile or about 400 meters away from the entrance to the pyramid. Tanju would just like to pour like one more round of drinks real quick and use three of his bardic inspirations and be like, guys, we got this and you know I have your back always. I've got your back. Yeah, I'm just giving you your bardic inspirations now. So decide when you want to use them. I only have two more and I can also cause it like a debuff on enemies. So just like use them sparingly. But uh, go ahead and know you have Bardic Inspiration now. It's a D8. How is Boltzmann's hallucination looking, DM? <laughs> uh, that depends. Uh, have you continued drinking? Yes. Okay, great. So in addition to the, the 3D effect uh, move, um, you're getting a lot of like wavy lines in all this. So it's almost like uh, <laughs> you've got a lot of motion blur, let's say. Hmm. I believe I can see the strings that make up reality. Yes, this mission will very will be very easy given how much I can I can I can see. Fortunately, the the alcohol is not affecting any of my speech mechanisms since they are produced by an artificial speaker. But I am thinking less clearly. Good. You have to stay loose, Bolsman. So, what are we thinking? Go in there invisibly or Fly up there and let it turn down fluids on them. Who amongst us is best at stealth? Because I have a little trick I can give them that will make them even better. We could send a scout to figure out what's going on and then find our point of entry. I think the most, uh, the best course of action would be to ask the people what's going on. If we want to find out more information. Oof, I don't know if we should just go down and talk to them. What's the objective here, Tanager? Mandax? Uh, Tobias? Mendax sort of like, yeah, I, I looked at Mendax. What is the objective? Figure out what they're doing and stop it? Well, I think as far as I can tell, whatever they want will be inside the pyramid. So we get in there first, we get whatever they're looking for, and hopefully get out. All right, I will teleport all of us into the pyramid. How does that sound? Uh, DM-wise, I'm not sure teleport would do it, because if I remember correctly, you need to know the place you're teleporting to. Uh, this actually came up in my last game. There's a check you have to make for accuracy. So the less you're familiar, Uh, the more chance of error. Also, you have no idea what's inside. It needs to be uh, a place that you are familiar with. So yes, that won't work. I mean, you you can certainly teleport <laughs> to like the the like the front door because it may be a quarter of a mile away, but you can see vaguely where it is. Okay, Tanninger is going to like put his hands up to Boltzmann and like be like, I do have pass without of trace, so we could just attempt to go in there with a big bonus because I understand you're about to drop some big magic. If we get into trouble, you know, we might need that for blowing someone to bits. Mm, Sounds good. All right. Is this the plan or are we going? How about we go in there and just talk to them? Because I feel like nothing could go wrong with that. We are we are powerful adventurers. This is what the HHO. Well, as far as I can tell, these guys like the diggers aren't actually HHO themselves. They're just workers. 
the HHO are certainly paying them to do this digging work, but they're not. These guys aren't actually, in quotes, the bad guys. What did the diggers look like? They all look like um, John Reese davis from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Every single one. It's a horde of Davises. Boltzmann will use a 5th level slot, which is better than a 7th level to teleport, to cast Seeming, which uh, allows you to change the appearance of any number of creatures that you can see within range. You can give each target you choose a new illusory appearance. So now we all also look like... uh, What's the actor's name? John Rhys Davies? Uh, John Rhys Davies, yeah. We can just waltz on in here and go look at that door over there. It's going to last for eight hours, so why not? Oh, yes. <laughs> Tanninger at least, like, pulls the sleeves up and tries to make his John Rhys Davis a little bit more attractive than the other John Rhys Davises. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all right. Let's have at Boltzmann. <laughs> Okay, so I will just um, chuck a general perception check onto. Uh, nope. Okay. Good. The, for, so for like all all the rest of the workers, I rolled uh, two dice, uh, gave myself disadvantage because of uh, seeming, and I got a four. So Oof. to everyone else, you just look like a gang of other other John Reese Davises strolling <laughs> confidently straight down the middle of the camp. You do, as you go, you hear, like, general grumbles from everyone else working, you know, just like, oh, it's so so hot. Yeah, but it's not as hot as it normally is. And, you know, we, we usually do this in the summer. It's like, yeah, but I still like to complain, all right? Let me have something. <laughs> uh, Tanninger has definitely said that before. Of like, yeah, I love my job, but I don't have to do it with a happy face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then, an- then another one looks over and goes, why aren't you using your John Reese davis voice? Down here somewhere. Oh, sorry. I, uh, I've only been John Reese Davis for a short time. Wait, we're doing a voice? Uh, no, no, no. The the uh, the diggers are uh, like, yeah. like well, why aren't you using your John Reese Davis voice? Oh, sorry. I've got uh, I've got something in my throat. <laughs> it's quite all right. All right. Let me modulate my pitch down a little bit. How is this? Uh, That's good. Yeah. So, do we make it to the door? Yes, you do. You make it to the front door of the pyramid. All of you, wonderfully disguised as the actor John Rhys Davis, as portrayed in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The front door itself is a giant slab of stone, which, as you can see, um, both Tobias and Boltzmann, you two have tinkered hugely with like all sorts of different mechanical devices. This is a really simple one. It basically just consists of two really thick ropes um, attached to the top of, imagine like a square slab. So the two ropes are attached to the top, which pull it up. And there are some pulleys somewhere um, set high up in the stonework, which um, come back down again to two sort of barrel type things where the rope twists around. So if you, you know, you twist the barrel then it pulls the rope down, which opens the door straight upwards. However, the rope has been under a lot of sand for, let's say, at least a few thousand years by your reckoning. So you quite rightly surmise, given your extensive background of this sort of thing, that if you were just to try and open the door its normal way, the rope would completely snap 
and the door would smash shut, alerting everyone to your presence. Tobias, do you want to take this one? What are we thinking, robot? <laughs> These ropes are looking frayed. I was thinking we could perhaps fortify them and then the mechanism would work as intended. Also, I'm not a robot. I'm a cyborg. A human brain with a robotic body. Noted. Perhaps a series of mendings? Or I am a bit telekinetic. I could attempt to lift it and we could slip underneath. Perhaps if both we pulled from the top and lifted from the bottom, it would put less stress on the ropes. Sounds like a plan to me. Uh, cool. So if Tanninger could be the leader in the moment, could you guys use your mechanical knowledge to make sure we're not stressing the ropes at any point? Like, just, you know, like, listen to the sounds of the stone and things like that as, like, we use the mechanism, and then it's uh, strength, proficiency, plus charisma for my augmented mage hand, essentially. But it, the telekinetic feat is based on mage hand. So if I pass this check, I can lift it. And then it's I'm just making sure that Boltzmann and Tobias are making sure we don't break it. Boltzmann will use a mending to... 3D print some extra rope onto that and try to fortify it a little bit. So I, I just wanted to clarify, you said the rope is kind of in a place we can't access it? or um, No, the rope itself you can definitely access. There are a, lo uh, there are a couple of pulleys uh, really high up. Oh, So just to the side of you, there is that like barrel type thing with a rope coiled around. So you can quite easily get to the rope. It's just that if you try to open the door as it's meant to be done the rope would like snap and you know how like in uh like if you've got a hoodie and the uh, the little toggle rides back up in into the hood it's impossible to get out mm -hmm. i've got um fabricate and so i can turn take raw materials and make something out of it so i could turn the barrel into more rope and then fortify the rope with it oh uh leave the barrel take tanninger's archaeologist outfit <laughs> and use that for raw fabric materials. We could do that, yeah. <laughs> Are we streaking? <laughs> well, no, Tanager's, uh Well, he also has his backup JLo outfit, but I assume your seeming spell is effectively clothes. And also his satyr body, like, conceals his genitals. <laughs> so even if he's naked, he's not naked naked. Also, you've, you're just hanging out in front of two robots, pretty much. Also, Mendax is there, like, but... Yeah, well, come on. You get the feeling you wouldn't really care. We are both naked. <laughs> yeah, Mendax is... If you listen to Tanninger's character intro, he talks about how much he loves Mendax. So the fact that he's on an adventure with him, like, yeah, whatever, he'll be naked. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Let's give this a shot. We got a mending, we got to fabricate, and I got to make a check to basically telekinetically making sure this door does not slam. Okay, that sounds good. This is teamwork at its finest. Uh, my telekinetic check is 17 plus proficiency, so that's actually a 23. Okay, awesome. So Tanager uh, conjures up a magical hand which slides its little magical fingers underneath the door and starts like straining to lift it. And it does so ever so slowly. At the same time, Tobias and 
boltsmen are frantically like twisting the barrel and at the same time forming like new strands of rope to like fortify what's already there and to fix like any breaks that may come it's very much like the it's maybe a bit of a reference you guys may not get but um in wallace and gromit uh the wrong <laughs> trousers uh it's 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 Gromit just laying down uh, model train tracks as they're moving along. Oh yeah. So the the rope is the, the rope is like the each individual like fiber is snapping, but you're like replace replace fix 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 fix. Yeah. yeah. And slowly but surely the door rises up just enough for all one two three seven I think of you. <laughs> <laughs> to uh roll underneath into like the main hall of this newly uncovered pyramid and as the last of you roll under the door tanninger lets go of the magic the hand disappears and the door just slams back down into the the sand okay tanninger would you would you like to add an addendum onto this quietly quietly slams yeah like he wants to make like it's not like like when you're sneaking into the house when you're a teenager and you like quietly open the door i'm not slamming it behind me yeah yeah it's 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 quietly you know in inverted commas it's you know the most i can do because tanger is a weak person yeah you you think you you hope you're being quiet enough cool and the door quietly slams behind you (laughs) well it's just like those vibrations yeah yeah there's just the the it's like a little bass drop, you know, if anything. But you look around and you can't believe your eyes at what you see next. And that's why we'll take a quick break in this episode. Come on. I know, right? <laughs> Cliffhangers, am I right? You gotta finish the episode and then also like and subscribe. Give us reviews on yeah. iTunes. Five stars only. We'll read it in a funny voice. And in a funny voice, yeah, yeah. Every t- every time you request an accent or a funny voice, we will do it. That's an editorial promise. Do you want to hear Tanager's Donald Duck? Leave a five-star review. Hey, it's me, Donald Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give it away for free. <laughs> See, that, that's how we do things here. Legally distinct versions. Hey, it's me, Ronald Muck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will see you. Shortly. Bum, bum, bum. Hi, friends, it's me again. Now, don't worry, this isn't actually the second part of the podcast. This is that weird abyssal bit in between. Now, I've got a very important question for you. Do you know anyone that might enjoy this podcast? Well, now's the time to badger them, tell them about it, throw balloons at their window with the Vibrating Kittens logo on. I'm not sure we have those, but we can probably get them. It's fine. Just think. Is their birthday coming up? Do they have a special anniversary soon? Do you have no money left? Would you like us to wish them a happy or bad day, if you really want, on your behalf? Well, you're in luck. You can arrange for us to read your shout out on air at firebreathingkittenspodcast.com through our partnership with the website Buy Me A Coffee. Now, one more thing before we jump back into the action. Do you enjoy reading books like a nerd? Well, good, because quite a lot of our adventures get turned into books and ebooks, and you can find these adventures on Amazon.com in the bookstore. Now, just search for Fire Breathing Kittens. That's all one word, podcast. 
the authors do a frankly sensational job of turning our nonsense into words. Now, back to your regularly scheduled chaos. Hello and welcome back to the Fire Breathing Kittens. We've only been gone mere moments in your world, but a couple more in ours. Now, you should hardly need reminding about what happened in the past hour of grade A audio you've just listened to. Just remember that every single person currently now looks exactly like John Rhys Davis from Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the important thing to remember. We're in a pyramid and the doors just quietly slam shut behind us. So what happens next? Let's find out. You are all standing in a large circular room. Pillars line the edge of it, each one carved in seemingly ancient runes. In the centre, there lies a dais with steps leading up to an old, ornate throne, upon which is sat a rather malnourished-looking skeleton. I mean, all skeletons are malnourished, that's kind of the point. (laughs) But around the place, you see four similar doors to the one you entered. So, you know, slab, but um, these mechanisms seem to be all right, so don't worry about those. However, one of those four doors is completely caved in there is nothing going about that so there are three left available so throughout the room actually everyone give me a general perception check see how you know see what sort of vibe you can get from the room as you all wander around uh big fat one tanish will take a big fat one lovely 13 for boltzmann 19 for tobias Okay, we'll get to Tenager last, I think. Why? 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 You'll see why. (laughs) Boltzmann and Tobias just start patrolling the area. One of you goes clockwise, one of you goes anti-clockwise to try and cover as much ground as possible. Boltzmann, you start scuttling over towards the caved-in doors. The only thing you really find is there's an old stone tablet about, uh, about two feet high, maybe a foot wide, uh, which is also carved in ancient ruins. If you want to have a trying to see whether you can decipher that, then uh, you can give me an general intelligence check. I know you'll be absolutely fine with that, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. Okay, Tobias, um, you wander around the other other way. You eventually make your way over. You pass uh, two other doors on your side as you make your way around the edge of this circular room. Over towards the far end, so pretty much opposite where you entered from, you know, past the other side of the throne, you see what certainly seems to be some sort of portcullis, like a a metal gateway, in front of which lie four panels engraved in the floor, uh, set in a square pattern, one of whom is glowing faintly. It seems to you that, narratively speaking, this portcullis seems to be the way forward, the way to progress. But how how could we possibly progress? Now, Tanager, back to you and your big fat one. Oh. Tanager, you see a throne in front of you. That's the only thing you see. You're like, I see a throne. I want to sit in this throne. <laughs> you sprint up the steps towards the throne. And you... Like, uh, could I make one small addendum? Yes, you can. I do have mirthful leap. Well, I would like to leap into the throne. <laughs> you gracefully <laughs> leap. You, it's about like um, let's call it about like um, about six feet in the air. It is. So in one single bound, you bosily leap, butt first, 
into <laughs> this throne. <laughs> you like lie across it, like you know, feet feet in the air, hands behind your head. Look, ah, uh, look at me. I'm so much better than everyone. You are sat on this skeleton, who is having a decidedly worse time uh, than they were before. Uh, however, underneath one of your legs, there seems to be some sort of like pressure on your lower calf. It's a bit uncomfortable, so you lift your leg up, and what you see like um, set in the arm of this throne is a golden sphere, like a like an orb, and it's just got some like pointy things up at the top. Uh, it seems as though it's been set there, but by whom and why? You don't know, but actually, while we're here, just give me an, another perception check. Now you've managed to quite literally jump into the situation. Uh, so perception is 17. And uh, a point of clarification, have I been injured by this pointy ball? Uh, you have not. It's just more of an uncomfortable thing. So like you, you know when you've been sitting on something for ages, you get up and you're like, ow. It's just a sphere. It is just like a golden sphere. Like no handhold or it's like uniformly covered in spikes. Well, it's not really a spiky thing. It's more of a, um, an ornate carving which is set into the top of it. The whole thing is quite or- ornate and looks very fancy to your eyes. Uh, Tanger picks it up and does that trick where you bounce it off your forearm and then catches it. And he's just lying supine across the throne, bouncing this orb off his forearm. Okay. Um, once you once you pick it up, uh, Tobias, you notice that that uh, panel on the floor that was glowing stops glowing. Can I um, cast detect magic to see what kind of magic is going on? Uh, you certainly can. I'll go ahead and do that. Yeah, it doesn't require a roll, as far as I'm aware. So. Detect magic the way I like to imagine it is basically just like a magic radar. So you send out this pulse of magical energy and you get a lot of information back. So this entire structure is very, very magical. Beyond the walls of the pyramid, you cannot feel a thing. It's like there's a magic sealing this area. However, this particular, these panels on the floor seem to um, give off the aura. Like the light itself is just a light. It's just a magically formed light. But it seems to be the light is caused by something happening. So there's something that triggers the light. Now, Tobias, you're a smart machine, I'm assuming. You're not stupid, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> You've seen um, <laughs> Tanager like, lift off this thing from the throne, and at the exact same millisecond, the light goes off. Whoa, what'd you do? That changed things. Uh, Tanager has a bunch of nuts on his breastplate and is like eating nuts with his left hand and bouncing the ball with his right. Uh, I don't know. Just hanging out. Bothman is translating the stone panel like, uh, Cursed be he who toucheth the giant golden orb. May his prosperity die in a fire. What's going on <laughs> back there? Uh, uh- <laughs> Okay, yeah, you know the number of times I've been cursed? I was cursed, like, literally two weeks ago by a sea witch. So, curses or whatever. Sea witches! Andrew puts the ball back down where he found it, and then, like, gets up, casts tongues, and then, uh, I believe now I can understand all languages, uh, <laughs> goes over to look at what my, uh, robo-bros are doing. Your robo-bros. 
<laughs> Probots. So uh, once once you put the orb down, as you'd expect, um, that panel lights back up again. As you as you pop down, Tanager, at the base of the throne, you see some more runes etched into the the base around the throne. These ones are like etched in gold. They are really quite something that you know you can certainly appreciate the the calligraphy of this runic art. But yeah, you uh, pop over to. Actually, you've just cast tongues, so you understand. Uh, give me one He's... second. I'm just making sure uh, it does that it w- that it works the way you think it works. Yeah, go for it. It might only be verbal. Nope. Yeah, it is only verbal. I'm not casting it. Okay. I just go look at it. Can I make like a? <laughs> it looks pretty. Investigate. Yeah. Not to worry, cool. Tanager. I've got a solution for this problem. But let's first see whether I can deduce what it means on my own. I'm a giant brain, you see. There's very little I can do in the realm of thought. Boltzmann, you are basically just a smart old brain in a jar. So just give me a, um, a straight intelligence check and don't screw it up. Uh, I am pretty drunk. So should I make this with disadvantage? Yeah, if you like. Go for it. <laughs> You're it. Boltzmann has got a 26 intelligence at the moment since he's been spending all his gold on, on tomes of clear thoughts that... Increases intellect. He's also a giant brain, so it makes sense. The first one is an 8 plus 8 is 16. Second one is an 19 plus 8 is 27. So there's going to be a 16. Uh, remember, you do also have some uh, bardic inspiration, should you wish to use it. I'm fine. I can ritual cast comprehend languages if, if, if I don't understand this. I, will, I won't use my bardic inspiration on this. Okay, so... You don't get an exact translation because it's a very ancient script, but you manage to you manage to translate or kind of make sense of more or less of what it says. I will ritual cast uh, comprehend languages to get the complete translation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're just checking but... your work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like I'm pretty. It's like I'm gonna practice my actual ones and then I'm just gonna cheat. I'm gonna look at the. I answers only got a afterwards. seven out of ten. <laughs> Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Tanger has a cigarette while he's virtual casting. <laughs> yeah, while he's <clears throat> while he's doing that, I'd like to uh, try just moving the point on the orb without take, picking up the orb and see if that changes anything. It does not. However, okay. um, we'll go for the tablet first because that's been hanging around for a little while and then we go back to Tobias on the throne. So uh, the tablet itself, um, this translates. It seems as though it's... Um, part of a, a, a set you think because there's a little mark in the bottom which more or less just says like one of five you know how these things it's like tweets you know if you've got a thread it's like tweets everybody <laughs> everyone's like yeah we know what those are what a weirdo <laughs> anyway this one says long ago when it came time to tame the wilds the first people set out to explore but were set upon by the forces of nature, holding them back and destroying their will. Certainly seems very cryptic to you. But then again, this is only the first in a in a series. Can't believe it took me ten minutes to decipher that. Well, you're a bit rusty, you know, and you're also drunk. Yes. Yes, yes. I will I will focus more on the next task and see if I can do better. Alright, so which which door do we go into? We'll we'll just pop back to the, the throne quickly with Tobias. You just have a, have a quick look-see now. Um, Tanager has vacated his position. You see this orb has been like set in like an engraved space, like it's designed for it. And then similarly, there are three other spots in this throne which have a similar engraving 
um, like areas, like etched out things to put, you think, other objects in. And I think we can all see where this is going. There are three doors. There are three uh, spots on this throne to fill in with mystery objects. So yeah, uh, yeah, go over to the grate and see if I can figure out a way to pry it open or push stuff to see if it opens. <laughs> um, the grate itself is fast stuck. You are strong, you're magical. You know there's no way of opening this aside from um, getting these, these damn... These damn panels to to light up. So we do have a lit up door that we can go through. All three doors are available to go through. The only thing lit up is a panel on the floor, which has been caused okay. by having this orb placed in its special spot on the throne. So Tanager puts a cigarette out, looks around and goes, all right, it's an item hunt, boys. And then just goes to whatever door is closest to him and strolls through as he takes a sip from his wine flask. Yep, follow along. <laughs> yeah, Tanner just, uh, Tanner just played this game before. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my first rodeo, fellas. Wait, are we going to split up? No. I thought the, the course of action in this scenario was to split up. Absolutely not. No, 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 my friend. See, because there's a monster, and I don't want to fight a monster. <laughs> so I'm going to take my brain in a jar best friend with me. There's a monster, <laughs> I want to fight a monster. Where's the monster? Also, we're best friends. Of course, you're all my best friends. We're fire-breathing kittens. Oh yeah, Mendex still with us? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's um, investigating like these runes. Just seeing what's what. I mean, obviously, Boltzmann's done most of the most of the hard work, but he's like, oh. <laughs> he's really old. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to like licking his fingers, like, hmm, interesting. Don't worry about me, you guys. You know, you. I'll, I'll, I'll stay here. Periodic reminder that we all look like John Rhys Davies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is your, um, <laughs> this is your quarterly reminder that everyone looks like John Rhys Davies from <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's very important for the canon of this yeah, episode. Yeah, it's it's very important character work <laughs> that everyone looks like John Rhys Davies from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, so Mendax hold down the fort in the front, like, make a loud noise if, well, I mean, obviously there's going to be a loud noise if they open that door, but, you know, hold down the fort, um, and then, yeah, let's just pop in a room. Okay, so, you open just a door at random. The mechanism is much the same as the one at the front door, but this one, as I said, is not corroded, so it can just open up quite nicely. It's It's got some nice, smooth action, I think our Artificer friends will will notice is like this is old but this is really good stuff <laughs> so the first thing uh you see as you walk into this well it's a corridor you walk into and the door shuts behind you and you seem to be in a long stretching corridor filled with puddles of green goopy goo it seems to be smoking somewhat and it smells quite <laughs> it smells like burning However, there are a number of quite handily placed stepping stones throughout the area, which leads to a f another door at the far end. So we'll say it's about 60 feet from end to end. So Tanager is a goat. <laughs> he wants to just mirthful leap, like, pleasantly across the stepping stones to the other side. Okay, um, 
just uh, give me the wording of Mirthful Leap. It's basically plus eight feet, I believe, to every uh, jump I make. I believe we did it before. I can jump 16 feet with my like basic stuff. So it's going to be 16 plus 1d8. So you'd be able to get that in two and a half bounds. Yes. Okay, so if uh, you want to uh, go for this one, then you'll have no problem just leaping to one of the stepping stones, which is a handy 24 feet away. However, as you land, you uh, feel some slight slipperiness beneath your hooves. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so give me a quick either athletics or acrobatics check. Just make sure you keep your keep your footing. Uh, I'll take an acrobatics. That's the second <laughs> one of the night for Tanager. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh. Hubris. Thy name is Tanager. Oh. oh, no. I mean, yeah. Yeah, fatal flaw. And they say that I leap into danger. See, the, the mistake Tanager makes in this situation is your uh, two friends watch. Is Tanager says, watch this before leaping. <laughs> This is the fatal flaw in all of this. Tanager leaps, <laughs> does a very graceful jump, 24 feet onto this stepping stone, stands there for a millisecond, and then just face plants directly into this bubbling green goo. So straight off the bat, Tanager, uh, please uh, note down on your character sheet, um, 10 acid damage. Okay. Just straight off the bat. And um, the goo starts to almost like glue itself to your fur so like ne next time you want to try and get up it will be some level of like strength check just to warn you oh guys guys i fell in goo obviously your friends can help you out so <laughs> we will jump over over to them right now sorry poor choice of words uh move over to them right now <laughs> so what do you think tobias uh, flight or teleportation well, we've got the, the, the fast way, which takes spell slots, and we've got the slow way, which is I can, you know, I can ritual cast <laughs> um, the uh, floating disc, and we can all just ride it over across the... <laughs> guys, guys, I'm in so much goo! And, uh, and we can pick them up, and I'll, and I'll just ride a, an invisible pizza across guys i'm in hot goo <laughs> across the is room. Tanager floating floating in the goo right now uh, the goo's hot <laughs> i will try to cast a levitate on Tanager using my museum apparatus <laughs> yeah i'll cast a healing word oh healings for nerds <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's a nerd <laughs> 16 plus 18 that's that's gonna be a uh, 30 34 Tanager is, is levitating. <laughs> nice jump. You made a long distance. It was really cool, right, guys? <laughs> it, it was really cool. That's my healing word. It was a it was very far jump. Good job. I'm sorry I called you a nerd. Healing's actually really nice. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'll... Yeah, I'll do that at the second level. How much do we get? Uh, eight, eight healing. Oh, nice. Okay, Tanager is ni nice and floating above the surface of this uh, bubbling green goo, feeling a lot better now. But I will say, you know, your fur is going to smell of burning for the rest of the time. You can't see the, the, the burning at the moment because you still currently look like John Rhys Davis from 
Brain is a little stout. <laughs> but you can smell it. I look like a little bit like the melty guy at the end yeah. of Raiders of the Lost Ark. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, will Boltzmann push me over? I mean, I'm already floating. I will raise you toward the ceiling and then you can use your own bodily momentum to move forward to the other side. How's that? Let's hope there's no traps on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tanager carefully walks across the ceiling, feeling the weight of his poor decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's not the acid that burns, it's the shame. <laughs> yeah. I will send my robot chimpanzee butler to help you. Mr. Langley will fly with his rocket uh, shoes, which are boots of, uh, <laughs> or like, they're, they're flying boots. DM told me that my servants could attune to items, so... He's got flying shoes. <laughs> I mean, we all we all want a flying robot monkey butler. And like, if I can lay down precedent for a, a ro flying robot monkey butler, then we're all going to have a better time going forward. Oh, that's right. I have a flying broom, so I pull it out of my chest cavity. <laughs> Mary Poppins style, and I start writing it over. <laughs> yeah, so Tanner just watches some of his party members fly across the room that he got injured in and had to get saved out of. And is just, like, <laughs> deeply embarrassed. <laughs> At this level, basic traps, they're not really going to hurt adventurers such as yourselves. The pride, however, that will hurt for years to come. I'll never forget this day. All right, what's on the other side of this gosh darn room? <laughs> um, you all make your way in differing fashions, um, some more successfully than others, over towards the other side of the corridor, where another door lies um, waiting for you. Um, everyone give me a quick perception check um, as you land. Is this visual? Um, no, it's more of a, a hearing slash feeling. 21. 11. 23. Okay. Well, first of all, everyone feels a giant, like, whoom, 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 feeling coming from the door. It's like the ground seems to be shaking around you. Oh god, the hangover is setting in. <laughs> even even through the door, there seems to be something like you feel the ground wobbling beneath you. It, it was Tobias that rolled the 11, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, Tanager and Boltzmann, you both hear kind of a clickety-clackety sound. Sounds like some type of monster. Yeah, let's look for the object and let's go. Seeing as Tanager played with the orb before, does he see his item in a similar fashion? Well, you've still got a door to open first. Oh, okay. Well, let's pop this door. Okay, you pop the door. And it's just a, you know, <laughs> case of posterity, really, at this point, isn't it? But yeah, you pop <laughs> the door open, uh, nice and easy. And beyond this door, rather confusingly, because it's, you know, maybe about a, a six-foot-high door, and there are no other doors in this room that you can see, there is an enormous scarab beetle that's making that noise and whooshing around the place. It hasn't seen you guys yet, but Boltzmann, as you um, walk in, forgive me if like this is completely off base, but I'm, I always imagine Boltzmann as a mixture between like one of the heads in the jar from, uh, from Futurama and the, the spider baby toy from Toy Story. So uh, Boltzmann is rolling around on wheels, but he's got uh, some spider appendages that, it, that, he, that he incorporated from giant spiders in, 
cross-country running. These are biological parts, and uh, he's using this to uh, be able to to interact with the world in a biological way. So yes, he might have some spider legs. So you can you can you can feel stuff. Yeah. Okay. So one of your <laughs> biological spider legs brushes against, and you look over this this thing your legs brushed against, and it is another tablet, very similar to the one you you came across earlier. So quickly and quietly, uh, your other spider appendages just kind of like suck it up and like hold on to it for further investigation when there isn't a giant scarab beetle in the room. So the giant scarab beetle hasn't seen us yet, right? Not yet, but it will slowly turn around. But if you want to do anything before that, be my guest. Shut the door. <laughs> I want to enter a combat stance, but uh, I could just try and polymorph it into a regular sized scarab beetle. Sure. Yeah, try that. Tanajit, if you have any competing ideas, now would be the time. No, this is specifically why I didn't want to split up, because I don't think this giant scarab beetle is down for negotiation, which is more Tanager's specialty. It is. All right, let's just kill this thing, all right? Well, I believe Polymorph, if they run out of hit points, they turn to their original form. So it's too big to get out of the room, so let's just put it in a cup, and then grab the object, close the door behind us, and then whenever your spell fades, it's still trapped in the room. Sounds like a plan to me. It will be trapped in a jar, just like me. Oh, that makes me kind of sad. You're not trapped in a jar. You've got those spider legs. You can interact with the world. Indeed. Yes. You need to drink more, and I pour some whiskey into his... Uh, yeah, no, though, uh, do that polymorph, my guy. Should I roll initiative to see if I can get it off in time, DM? Um, uh, nah, I wouldn't worry about it. It, it hasn't it hasn't seen you yet. It'll okay. be our surprise round. Just go with it. It's okay. Boltzmann jumps into the room in his com- combat dance, like his blade song. It goes like, ha! And casts a uh, magic spell by just getting like a transmover transmogrificating dart into the scarab beetle, which turns it into uh, something else it could be based on its genetic makeup, namely a normal scarab beetle. Okay, I need to make a wisdom saving throw for this particular uh, beetle, if I'm reading polymorph correctly. Yes. Because it would very much be unwilling. What's your uh, spell save DC? It's 23, which is obscene. That is absolutely obscene, because... Uh, this thing has a plus one to wisdom, so let's yes. see how this goes, shall we? Place your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Five percent chance. Tanjo will put a copper down. How did you pull that <laughs> off? Mine's 17. Well, I, I rolled a 17, so plus one, so that's 18. So it's still a fair ways behind <laughs> the 23 necessary. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I, I pulled it off with a 26 intelligence and uh, an arcane grimoire, uh, which gives me a plus two. Oh, okay. So the total is eight plus five proficiency bonus plus eight intelligence, which is 21 plus two for the arcane grimoire. Just explain in a mouth because it is obscene. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's ab- absolutely fine. You know, that's that's what these things are here for. So as um, the scarab beetle turns around, you you're kind of like waving your wheels or like your your spidery appendages. I've got I've got arms sticking out of my head, mechanical arms as well. Okay, you've got all sorts of different arms and legs waving around every which way. I hope the mental image is really coming together for all the listeners. <laughs> I'm sure it is. 
<laughs> it's really weird. And like you're making all these sorts of weird, like kind of weird noises and like the magic is flowing out of you. The sp- scarab beetle turns around and before it shrinks into a teeny tiny little regular scarab beetle, you see atop its head a grand glistening crown, like a regular like golden crown. And Tobias, you've investigated the the throne earlier, so you definitely remember seeing an indent which was more or less in the shape of a crown. And that's the thing you see as both the scarab beetle and the crown shrink down to teeny tiny little size. And the crown shrink? Okay. And the crown shrinks. Because if it was like someone wearing something, that would shrink as well. So I'd like to, if I could, for my kind of surprise round turn, take a um, jar from my other bag of holding that I keep all my like bartender supplies in. Yeah. <laughs> a jar and lid out, try to go put the scarab in and see if I can just get that crown off it. Okay, so you 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 take a jar out, it's just full of like coffee beans. You kind of sprinkle it over the floor. <laughs> You're like, I'll come back for you later, I promise. Um, so give me a, uh, just a, a sleight of hand check to see whether you can really pin down the scarab beetle because it's going to start running because it's very tiny and suddenly very scared. Okay, could I... <laughs> Could I use my mage hand and have this be an intelligence roll? <laughs> I'll make them two separate rolls, so you can do one with your regular hand, one with your mage hand. I will, however, warn you that if you completely beef, so beefing is doing badly on, either of those two rolls, you will accidentally <laughs> damage the scarab beetle, which will then revert to its normal massive size. Okay, well, I did roll. I rolled well on both, so okay. I, uh, I got 17 on the intellect, and I ended up getting a dirty 20 on the slate of hand. Okay, okay, so Tobias like, lunges after this tiny little scarab beetle with um, one regular hand and one magic hand. Scoop it up with the magic hand. Scoop it up uh, with magic hand and place it inside the jar, and you're just holding it there, and the scarab beetle is like trying to like climb up the sides, and in its haste, the crown falls off its head into the jar itself. So those two have been separated. The crown will stay small until it gets out of the jar. But you do have like this um, trapped scarab beetle for one hour. Benadji, you look like you have an idea. What are you thinking about? I'm just trying to remember the exact wording of the polymorph spell as he is casually making a Molotov cocktail out of some of his spare alcohol. (laughs) What are you trying to think of? Uh, yes. Okay. He motions Tobias with the crown in the jar out of the room, and then just tosses a flaming bottle of liquor towards the tiny beetle, which will, I assume, has one hit point, maybe? Yeah. So, once it's caught in the fire, when the door closed behind it, will revert back to its normal form, be trapped in the room, and we get a full-size crown in less than an hour. That works for me. So yeah, you you, um, you carefully empty out the the tiny little crown, which is about the um, the same size as a ring at the moment, onto your palm. Put the scarab beetle back in its place, which starts skittering around, and just quietly you will walk back out. Boltzmann still has the tablet, and just almost lazily, like he's done this a thousand times before, Tanager just hoofs this homemade Molotov cocktail backwards towards the scarab beetle, 
which hits it bang <laughs> on and flames burst around it. And as the door shuts behind you, you definitely hear this some very angry clickety clackety noises. And also you feel the, the waft of like flames following you. But the door shuts and you have nothing to worry about anymore. The crown reverts to its regular normal size and we can montage past the goo because we figured out how to do that without getting stuck too badly. <laughs> Unless, Tanager, you want to try again, you are more than welcome. Now, Tanager is high enough level to where he is educated enough to not try that twice. <laughs> <laughs> Tanager, would you like me to erase that event from your memory? No, 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 that's what I have this for, and he sloshes his next bottle of liquor from his bandolier. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Never use magic for a problem that can be solved with alcohol, I say. <laughs> that is my entire <laughs> character basis. <laughs> Let's go on. Yes. Um, so do we have to put the crown in to get the next door open? Also, it seemed like we didn't need these objects to get in here. So we're definitely taking, I'm definitely taking all of this stuff when we leave here. I can have a crown. <laughs> you can have a crown anyway, you're basically rich. Well, basically is not actually. This is a legit, you know, ancient crown. Yeah. Tobias gets it. <laughs> all right. Uh, one of you smart fellows, figure out where this crown goes. Yeah, I'll put it in the slot that you uh, mentioned. Yeah, tr trust me, it does not take a smart guy to figure out which one this goes into. It's basically a kid's... <laughs> the kid, baby toy with the shape. Shape puzzle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like one's one's triangle, one's square, one's a circle. <laughs> Tanagers, they're, they're just like ha trying to hammer the square one into a circle and go, why isn't it working? <laughs> he walks up, does that thing where like a drunk person like closes one eye and then they close the other eye and he like thinks about motioning it forward and is like, now, Tobias, do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Tobias, put you put the crown um, in place, which is just above the head of the now slightly crushed skeleton that was sat on the throne. All three of you, and also Mendax, who comes to say hi uh, once you come back, and he was like, you, you, you seem to be a bit Bernie, uh, Tanager, just as, a, as an offhand comment. All of you will see um, this a second, uh, remember we had those four panels on the floor, one of whom was already lit. A second one lights up. They both glow a faint kind of yellowy-orange color. And you said there's two more doors? To there are two more doors, them? yes. Let's go, boys. We're on a streak here. On to the next logical step of this journey. Now, nobody jump in this next room. Seems like this temple hates jumping. Okay, so you go through... Another door at random. I mean, there are only two. You kind of flip a coin on it and just go, yeah, that one. Uh, you pop open this door. There is no corridor beyond this one. There is just a large, empty, airy room. Well, not quite empty, as you'll soon discover, because once you walk in, the door shuts behind you. And from the ceiling right in front of you, with a graceful swoosh and a thump, lands a large sphinx. Tobias uh, walks forward and goes, Hi there, hello, my name's Tobias. <laughs> well, hello there. It has been so long since I've had visitors. Pray tell, what brings you to, well, this, this dump? You will see in their hand, well, hand, paw, uh, they're kind of caressing um, a large golden scroll. 
Sorry, do go on. We're doing a caper. You're doing a caper, is that right? Oof. It's been many millennia since I've managed to take part in a caper. Oh, good memories. Although I haven't I've met many many a person around here who seem to be taking part in similar capers and they gesture towards the area surrounding them where there are a lot of corpses in various stages of decomposition. Most of them just plain old skeletons, but some of them have dried out. Some of them have what seems to be like bite marks in them. So they're in various states of uh, deadness. All of them completely dead, but some more dead than others, if that makes sense. Tobias goes, uh, and he turns and looks at the other two, and and so does the otter. <laughs> yeah, the otter peeks out go, <laughs> Uh is going through a phase right now, and this is exactly his type. So he saunters up, I guess, as the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, is there any way I could not be him for a moment? Uh, well, that's up to Boltzmann. <laughs> Boltzmann. I, I telepathically send a Boltzmann. Boltzmann, drop the spell. Gone. It lasts eight hours. I believe you can, you can drop it. You can pull it off, Dunnager. <sighs> All right. You are the hottest... Generous Davids I've ever seen. Oh, wait. The belly shirt really does it for you. Okay, I want to, like, Magic the Gathering stack spells. Can I disguise self as myself? I, w- I, will, I will drop the spell. I'm, I'm putting Denager's lag. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a domain spell. It doesn't really count. Either way, I would like to naturally walk up to her. Oh, um... Well, we came for the scroll, and I understand you're a very powerful figure. And from what I know of sphinxes, maybe you have a riddle or something. But uh, it seems like I found a greater treasure. I would like to make a persuasion check, and because of my build, cannot take less than a 23. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Say, instead of a persuasion check, just give me a general charisma throw. No. Come on, you're just trying to be uh, charming. You're not trying to get anything. Well, I'm trying to get that scroll, baby boy. Let's let's, let's not go into that, shall we? Um, that's a seventeen without proficiency. Okay. Um. Yeah. They they look down at you. They're very very big. They look down at you. Go. Flattery will get you everywhere in my business, and you are quite correct. Um, the terms of my employment, such as they are, mean that uh, those wishing to get this, and they lift up. Uh, the Golden Scroll, must answer um, three riddles, not just one, I'm afraid. They saw the, the old one-riddle tactic and thought, no, it's too easy. Well, make it three, just to be safe. I am absolutely down for the riddles, but I do have a quick question. Your employer, which means you can be employed, how much would it cost for you to quit? Well, it's it's more of a, you know, a, a, a contract signed in perpetuity, you understand? You know, us... Higher beings do tend to live quite a long time, so I don't know what's the what's the, what's the inflation nowadays. Uh, I don't know. You should like leave this temple and find out. I do appreciate the offer, and I would very much like to enjoy this um, outside world of which you speak. But but I'm afraid it's been, as I said, it's been precious long since I've had visitors and. Entertainment is so hard to come by, and they gesture towards this far wall, and there's just this like one game of Hangman, which has been like going on forever, which is really difficult if you're playing yourself at Hangman. 
So you, have, <laughs> you effectively have to like think of your word, write it down somewhere, and then like get to the point where you forget what the word was. Yeah. And then you can try okay. to do one letter. It takes ages. So Tanninger is like, okay, well, let's do the riddle thing. But I would like to channel my friend Olive here, who uh, feels like you've been forced into some sort of bonditude. So I'm going to circle back multiple times to free you from this situation. No, don't worry. I agree. It's absolutely fine. I mean, look, look at this space. It's clean, indoor living. And, you know, I get my fair share of food. And it's it's actually quite quite pleasant once you get used to it. And... um. Basically, as far as I'm aware, the contract of my employment ends once oh, there's, there's something in the in the treasure room that needs retrieving from that like, for some reason I'm not sure but once that's once that's been retrieved, then as far as I know, my employment ends. It's fine. don't worry about it don't don't worry yourself. this is not your job. You're arguing that this is a good deal because you get a fair share of food. That's literally the <laughs> thing you need to not die. Okay, give us the riddles, and then he's writing down his crystal contact in, like, rune and his address. And it's like, when we figure out this treasure situation, if you come to Nicomoy, uh, please, like, hit me up. I, I you know, you, you look really good. Your, fur, your coat's looking great. But do these riddles. Very good, very good. Sorry, I, I, I've forgotten all my manners. Uh, my name is Sakir. The rules are as follows, because of course there are rules involved. I have three riddles for you. You must answer all three riddles correctly to get this scroll. If you get one wrong, you may try a redo, but there will be consequences, which um, out of character is um, a certain level of psychic damage per redo. So it's like, you know, you got a headache. Question. Yes? Are we allowed to contact any extraplanar beings, gods, demigods, long-dead sages, to give us the answers to the riddles? <laughs> I mean, good luck getting magic through these walls. All right, so I think that as a no. I mean, you can try. I just don't think it'll work. But you seem like a smart brain, I guess. Yeah, thank you for noticing. Yes, I'm a giant brain in a jar. I'm sure you'll be able to figure these out. Don't worry about it. The people who came before were nothing like you. They didn't even try to, like, you know, say anything nice. They were just like, oh, I must go and attack this this thing. Some of them didn't even let me say hello, but ah, the less said about them, the better. Anyway, on to the riddles. All right, so DM, you can, you know, obviously you can have the Sphinx thwart me if you want, but I think Tobias goes over to uh, Tanager and casts Intellect Fort Fortress. On Tanager. Okay, how does, which gives, how does that work? I'll read it. Uh, for the duration, you or one willing creature you can see, which is going to be Tanager, uh, has resistance to psychic damage as well as advantage on in intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throw. Okay, well, I, I would not dream of trying to <laughs> say no to that. That definitely sounds like lateral problem solving. <laughs> However, it is only resistance and not... Um, immunity, so... It's not immunity, yeah. And it will be everyone taking the psychic damage, not just the person guessing. Oh, okay. You can upcast it to include multiple people. Oh, yeah. Do you have a fifth level spell slot? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, just upcast it and get everybody in the room. I mean, sorry for the pets. Yes, I'll do that. So these riddles, right? We're getting there in the end. <laughs> Give us the riddles. So the first riddle 
is, what can you see that is never real, that which you can look upon but never feel? And as an aside, I wrote all these riddles myself, so you likely won't have heard them before. Uh, so Tanner's going to use his like telepathic connection and just look like for yes or no's and go like green. An image in a mirror. Mm, that's pretty good too. Uh, I know an illusion, illusory magic. Okay, can we get the riddle one more time? What can you see that is never real? That which you can look upon but never feel. And I will say, I did not think of illusory magic. Yeah, I, I still think it's a dream. You can feel dreams as much as you can see them, Tanager. I say it's the image of yourself in a mirror. Yeah, but that's also real. What do you think, Tobias? I feel like it's at the tip of my, you know, not tongue, but mind, you know. I'll say this one's the easy one. <laughs> oh, jeez. Let's just try them all. We've got resistance to psychic damage. Understanding. You cannot see understanding, Tobias. Exactly. Well, you you say, I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who wants to uh, bet the bitty first? Boltzmann will go forward. Oh, go for it. Go for it, Boltz. One's own mirror image. The Sphinx smiles at you and goes, Good. You may be some sport after all. Yes, it is correct. A reflection. Because you can see it, it's not real. And you can look upon it, you can never feel it. You reach out and touch the mirror, but no. You only ever touch the mirror. Yes, very good, very good. Next up, my second riddle. This one's quite a short one, so bear with me. What means nothing and everything? Something so small, yet will crown a king. What means nothing and everything? Something so small and yet can crown a king. Laws! I like it. I would want to give that one a shot. I like it. Go for it. I mean, we have resistance and heals, so we're chilling for a couple wrong answers. <laughs> Boltzmann rolls forward and says, The laws of man! You feel a, like a spike, each one of you driven <sighs> into your mind as you all take... 10 points of psychic damage. My second guess was money. The Sinx looks at you and goes, You were close, I, I will grant you, but, but not quite. Not quite. You're, you're along the right lines. How much damage is that? Uh, 10 psychic damage apiece. Is that halved already? Yes, that is. Oof. What means nothing and everything? Something so small yet will crown a king. And this is where I was thinking maybe, maybe money. I mean, give it. I have. I have no idea. Does money crown a king? No, but maybe it's like respect or something. Inheritance? No, that's. Well, I don't know. Maybe. How about we beat up this thinks until uh, until they give us the answer? <laughs> no, that's rude. We're in her house. Yeah, I don't like that idea either. How about I cast a tech thoughts and get the answer straight from my head? Ooh, okay. I would be down. Well, could I get an insight check first to tell if like that would cause her to be angry enough to start combat? Or would she just be like, ooh, tricky boys? Uh, Give me a nature check for that sort of info. Oh, no. Bad. Below 10. Um, yeah, Tanaji, you're like... Oh, hang on. Would that work? I don't know. 
like this this sphinx is like seems hella smart <laughs> a small thing that can crown a king a sword oh uh, I, I like that i mean also maybe war i don't know the Sphinx said we were close with the laws of man, so I think it's one of those philosophical concept things. This is a tricky one. I'm quite proud of this, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, we skirted that beetle pretty easy. Yeah. And we're like, oh, man, you gotta make us think. Yeah. Ha! <laughs> How dare you? All right, we gotta pick an answer. I went already. You guys, it's your turn. Take your turn, okay. and if it doesn't um, work, I'll, I'll, I'll polymorph the Sphinx into a... Uh, Scarabito and we'll grab the scroll and do the same thing as last time. <laughs> Tanger's gonna go for it. I'm gonna say respect. Ten points of psychic damage apiece again. Oh, as, a, as a second spike of psychic thought burrows deep into your minds. All right, Tobias. Yeah, the Sphinx once once again is like you're right in the sense that it is it is an abstract concept, but um, I will give you a clue. I do like you lot. Think of something that everybody has, but only means something to the right people, or is important, depending on who you are. Loyalty? No, I think it's no nobility, maybe. You're skirting it. Um, is it, a, is it a name? You feel like a weight of pressure loosen off your mind as the thing goes, yes. A name. Oh, jeez, um, crow. By themselves, names mean nothing. But if someone has the right name, that means everything. I had a Bilbo moment. That's the first time I've ever solved a riddle ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tanger nods to Tobias like, of course you would do that. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, Sakir, you're making wild philosophical assumptions uh, uh, to base these results off of. First of all, <laughs> words mean things, and mirror images aren't real. It thirdly depends on the paradigm through which you observe the world. Anyway, give us a third riddle. Good job, Tobias. I agree, good job, but you have to remember that words only mean things because we give them meaning. By themselves, the combination of sounds, they mean absolutely nothing. It's the intent behind the words that means things. But anyway, we can we can save this conversation for later. Third riddle. Hmm, this is an interesting <laughs> one. Those who seek me will always find what they look for, but more often than not, leave wanting more. Delve too deep and find only this. A gaping chasm. An eternal abyss. Ah, I know this one. Confirmation bias. <laughs> uh, Tanger thinks he actually has this one. Oh, yeah? Is it trouble? Honestly, I would give you that. It's not the answer I'd thought of, but it does fit. It totally works. It does work. <laughs> and especially Tanger is like, oh, no, I know this one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the Sphinx looks down and goes, very impressive. I mean, not what I was... I was going for on that one, but yes, I can see how that works. I will, honestly, I like you, so I'll bend the rules a little bit. Doesn't mean I can't change my answer on the on the riddles. Yes, trouble it is. I was thinking more knowledge. Oh, oh, yeah, I know nothing about that. 
<laughs> so it seems. But as I'm sure your friends will agree, if you go seeking knowledge, you will find what you're looking for, but suddenly discover that what you thought you knew was only the tip of a very large iceberg. Soon you find yourself drowning in an abyss of knowledge and you can't ever know everything, even me. But well done, the three of you, I suppose in a way. Again, it all depends on the epistemological context of the situation. What is knowledge? How can you ever know anything for sure? I leave you with this riddle, Sphinx. <laughs> are you sure that this existence is real? Or are you conjuring up images because you are isolated in a pyramid for thousands of years? And you see why I actually quite enjoyed the prospect of staying in here for thousands of years without being interrupted. <laughs> You see that, don't you? All right, all right. <laughs> Just give you a number, Titanager. We'll be on our way. Well, I, I will stop by. I'm, as you can see, quite difficult to miss because, yeah, this, this thing is around the size of a small plane. Uh, I have a big courtyard. <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta draw out like a, a helipad. <laughs> <laughs> Sphinx down. The Sphinx uh, passes on the, the scroll and also says. Oh yes, also, um, this has been cluttering up my space. If you wouldn't mind taking this this little stone tablet, it's been driving me crazy. It's oh, been an absolutely terrible pillow these last 3,000 years. Would you mind awfully taking it off my hands? Sure, I'll take it off your hands. Tanager takes a bunch of his spare clothes and just balls them up into a big laundry ball. It's like, well, maybe this will be better. Oh, thank you. That does... Ooh, is that... Is that a cotton linen blend? I would never wear a blend, but hmm. it it is both copper and linen, yes. Oh, yes, that, I, I feel it now. There's certainly a difference. Okay, yes. Once again, it's been a while. My, my senses are off, so to speak. Well, go ahead. Have a wonderful rest. Um, once we get the treasure, hit us up. I'm planning an adventurer's gala after all of my future adventures, because... I've just been making an incredible amount of money lately. <laughs> certainly sounds interesting. I may uh, swing by if there's space, and I mean that literally. There's also a bar trivia night at this pub I go to. <laughs> I think maybe you'd be into that. Trivia night? I'm in. I'm a giant brain. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get our <laughs> trivia club going. We'll get a team name. Uh, we got to go solve this puzzle. <laughs> okay, I, I, I will see you around then. See you in trivia night, Sakura. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Successful, you make your way back to the main room. Wow. And uh, place the, the scroll in its spot. And yet another, a third one of those four panels lights up a yellowy-orange color. Just one more to go. I can't believe we solved though, three of those riddles without contacting any... Gods, demigods, or ancient sages. Good job, everyone. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that was a that was a tricky one. Let's uh, bang out this next door and then go get breakfast. Okay, you walk up to and subsequently bang out this next door. <laughs> what do we see inside? You see inside. It's a very wide, dark room. After walking through the door and it's shutting behind you, as per is normal, you're standing on a platform that's maybe about fifteen feet wide and about five feet deep so you are just about to like drop into sort of an abyss except there is this one large maybe a hundred feet across circular platform 
ahead of you. And at the far end is a similar platform to the one you're standing on. But atop a pedestal lies a large golden scepter, which is basically just a big stick with the ball on the end. Uh, ritual cast that disc spell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not in goo this time, so... Yeah, so he, he'll start doing that. How far away is the scepter? Uh, the scepter is... Well, at least 100 feet from you, so call it 105 feet. How long does the ritual take to cast, Tobias? Uh, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I'll start that, and if you come up with faster solutions, that's great. Uh, no, Tanger's just going to have a cigarette, like lean up against the wall. <laughs> I'm checking which of my spells are range over 100 feet, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing in between us, correct? Nothing you can see, just a, just this large circular platform. We want to go to that other platform, right? Yeah. Well, do you still have that fly slotted, or...? I've got something better. I will cast an arcane gate at 6th level. <laughs> Basically a, a, a portal. Um, I, I put, like, a 10-foot diameter portal right in front of us, and, like, one next to the... Uh, one next to the scepter. Uh, it's filled with mists. You can't look through it, but uh, if you go into one, you will come out the other. I will stick my arm in and try to grab the scepter. <laughs> okay, you stick your arm through this portal. Um, at the other end of it, you can see the, you know, your arm try and reach the scepter. <laughs> now, make me a strength check. You can bardic inspo this because this is a check, not a uh, save. I don't mind telling you, this thing is real damn heavy. I didn't, I didn't activate my armor of magical strength for this one. That's an 11. I'm afraid it is way too heavy for your teeny tiny little arms to lift. Mm. Mm. Mr. Langley, give me a hand. Try and lift this heavy scepter. Yeah, what is his strength? Uh, I think it's 14. And then cu- curious, what is, how strong is Tanager? Oh, eight. All of his oh. muscles are uh, form, not function. <laughs> I have a potion of giant strength I can hand you, Boltzmann. This is hill giant strength, so it brings you up to 21 strength for an hour. Ooh, yeah, no, pour it in the brain jar. That's that's cooler. <laughs> I just hold it out and I'll let you guys decide how who and how uses it. Danager gets to decide. Oh yeah, he pours it into Boltzmann's tank. <laughs> what happens when a brain gets 21 strength? I suppose it extends to his body. <laughs> I'm imagining a scene from Popeye where you just like dip, like drip, like like fish food. You drip the potion into the thing. The brain just gets swole and like you, you see like fluid rushing down to the rest of the arms, which suddenly just expand and go boing, boing. Boltzmann just like comically balloons out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with expanded forearms, reaches into the into the uh, uh, arcane portal. Is just going to jump out, doing some some crazy slapstick, and going to try and and lift up the scepter above his head. So I get a plus five now, right? Uh, yeah. And you still have the D eight. And uh, yeah, if Tanninger could like put his arms to spot him to give him advantage on this check. Certainly, yeah. Give the help action. First one is. First roll is a 17, and seven, second is 11, so it's going to be 17 plus 5 for a total of... Is a 22. 22, yeah. Okay, so you managed to lift this 
enormously heavy scepter. It's deceptively heavy. You know, it's no more than about two feet long, but it feels really heavy. So just just remind me, are you have you moved your entire body through this portal, or are you still just sticking an arm out? To try and lift it up. I think I said I moved my entire body through the portal. Okay, yeah. Uh, because at the moment you lift the the scepter off its uh, off its plinth, the plinth itself lowers um, into the floor, and we've all seen this bit of the movie. Oh no! <laughs> and out of the wall, just to your right, now that you're standing on there, a big frickin' boulder starts rolling menacingly towards you. Quick, come come back, come back. Yeah, get through the gate. Let's get out of here. Uh, what Botsman does, he can use a bonus action to swivel this gate on its axis. Uh, so um, he jumps behind the gate and then uh, rotates it so that it's facing the boulder and shouts to the other one, get behind the gate, and rotates that one so it's facing away from <laughs> the other players. It's got a 10-foot diameter, this gate, so hopefully it will be able to contain this boulder. <laughs> sure, yeah, jump behind the gate. I think the, the, yeah, the, the boulder is actually bigger than the gate. Let me just check my notes. Yeah, yeah, the boulder's bigger. Wouldn't than... it get stuck then? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, would it get stuck or, like, get <laughs> cut open? Or I mean, like, I imagine, like, a, like a billiard ball going into a too small pocket. Like it would just stop. I think what might happen is just because the gateway itself is magical, the boulder would like roll over it, but the gateway would like cut a chunk out of it. <laughs> so the boulder would kind of roll over the top, but then also got a big hole in it, and a separate chunk of boulder flies <laughs> out of the <laughs> bit you are in. <laughs> oh my goodness! So it. Very much of a, of a Buster Keaton-style silent movie. The boulder rolls safely over Boltzmann. Boltzmann will grab the inside of the boulder and roll inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an athletics check just to hold on to onto the boulder as it rolls over this uh, platform towards the entrance. I've got proficiency in that, so that's going to be a plus 10. A total of 20. Okay, so... Um, Boltzmann, while carrying this um, enormously heavy scepter, you you got your sticky spider legs to hold on to uh, the boulder. And very much like if you were in like some sort of hamster wheel, you just start rolling your way over to the the main entrance where your your friends are hanging out with another like just cut off chunk of boulder. And it smashes into the other end and like breaks harmlessly around everyone. And within its center... Weirdly, is yet another stone slab covered in runes. I keep forgetting to read these, guys. <laughs> You're really building up a collection. <laughs> we have the whole story now. Well, I guess, no, there was five. Yeah. But we have all the parts. We have four of so, five, right? Uh, let's go put this last piece on, read the story up to what we've seen, and then we'll go get the last piece. Also, just real quick, uh, Tanager does use a mall occasionally. Could this scepter function as a maul, or is it too heavy? I reckon it could probably function as a maul. Um, if you want to try and use it as a weapon later on, we'll figure it out as a cool as an item. I'm taking all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> 
But as I said, it is really freaking heavy. Yeah, I'm picturing like Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, more like a Morning Star, just kind of a really big room. Yeah. It's definitely a two-handed weapon. Oh, absolutely. He has eight strength, but he just uses pure momentum. Okay, so you make your way victorious once again back to the main room. Putting everything you found there back in the, the throne, the scroll and the, the scepter, you see the other two panels on the floor light up a nice orangey colour, but yet the portcullis does not yet open. Perhaps it needs something else. We will just quickly hop over to Boltzmann laying these tablets out on the floor as if they kind of like fit together like a little jigsaw puzzle to try and start deciphering some more things. We've already got four of these five and you've already deciphered one of them so you're like yeah i'm pretty sure i can read these without using too much more magic so i will just give you a quick rundown of that first verse again because it was quite a long time ago uh, and then we'll just do these first four verses to see what more you can make of what's going on long ago when it came time to tame the wilds the first people set out to explore but were set upon by the forces of nature, holding them back and destroying their will. But then the visitors came, down from the heavens. They saw the plight of the explorers and lent a helping hand. They used their intellect and cunning to seal away those primal forces, so that the explorers could continue and tame those selfsame wilds. The secrets lie in their ancient book that rests in this tomb of King Pelentis, and must be defended at all costs, lest those forces be released again. And that's those four verses. There is one more to go. Visitors, nonsense, there's no such thing. Boltzmann, you were just talking about contacting gods and extraplanar deities like 15 minutes ago. Yes, gods, extraplanar deities, those are real, tangible things that you can look out into the multiverse, use divination magic to confirm they are real. Aliens? No way, my man. It's all a matter of perspective. Tanager sits in the throne and ponders this. <laughs> Mendax is also here, who's kind of like walked over after you've come back out and was like, visitors? Hang on, wasn't been a while, but didn't Crud and Beans and Olive have, a, have an encounter with them like a little while ago? Oh. I was reading that in the archives, yeah. That was wild. That actually happened? They went into some kind of spaceship. I don't believe a word of it. It was a ship, and it was in space, which is like someplace out further than the sky. Yeah, as well, some call it the astral plane. I, I remember reading a tome called Spelljammer that adjusts something very similar to this. Was it in the astral plane? Because the astral plane is real, but they were talking about something called outer space, which is frankly absurd to me. Well, it's terminology, but yes, they might have encountered something from somewhere else. I say, give me proof that it was not one big hallucinogenic trip that they went on together. Uh, mean meanwhile, uh, Boltzmann, you start seeing, like, strobe lights coming from nowhere, and you see it like the flashing almost of a disco ball, and from somewhere behind you, you swear you hear some music going <laughs> no one else hears this obviously Boltzmann starts dancing <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again this is a dancer's body and I'm built to dance oh yeah 
Boltzmann, please. We must figure out this temple and then we can all trip together. <laughs> Promise? Oh, of course, always. Um, but yeah, are there any more indentations on the throne? The throne is all um, filled out. All four panels on the floor are glowing faintly yellow, but Mendax wanders over to speed things up a little bit um, and gives one a bit of a poke and it uh, briefly flashes a light blue color and he takes his hand off and it goes back to yellow. It's like, huh. Oh, everybody touch a, touch a light. Well, they seem to be pressure plates. Oh. Of some description. Let's try to uh, press them all at the same time then. Okay. So in all my adventure stories, you know, this is where we all, uh, something dangerous happens <laughs> very soon after this. <laughs> so in all the books I've been reading. So I'm going to, here. Uh, uh, here Tobias, uh, you worry too much. <laughs> you worry too much, man. You know, uh, stories for a reason. Take this. Here's a potion of heroism. I'm going to give this to to Tanager. Tobias, remember who writes those stories? The people who survive. At a potion of <laughs> maximum power, I'm going to give this if to... If they were really that dangerous, there wouldn't be any stories. <laughs> oh my god. Potion of maximum power <laughs> to Boltzmann. <laughs> the, the maximum power one is uh, if you cast a damage dealing spell of fourth or lower, it does max damage uh, wow. instead of rolling dice. So Tanger drinks like half of it. More drugs. Notices there's no booze in it. Fills it up the rest of the way with alcohol. And then pounds the rest of the potion. <laughs> yeah, and yours is a heroism, so it gives 10 temporary hit points for an hour. And you are also under the effect of bless. Too blessed to be stressed. All right, let's press these plates and fight a monster. Boltzmann is already in a combat dance and will jump into the... Pressure play. <laughs> As Boltzmann like bodily jumps onto his pressure plate, well, it goes through blue and settles on green. And so, like Mendax, instead of like pushing his, which like lights up blue, he kind of stands on it, and then that lights up green. It's like, okay, stand on them. <laughs> yeah, Tanager stands on him and is fully ready for this to drop through the floor, so keeps his arms tight at his sides. Mr. Langney, Miss Matoko, get on my pressure plate! <laughs> <laughs> yep, Tobias goes and stands on the floor. So, so Boltzmann has, like, his, like one monkey, one displacer piece, like, just stacked on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> one one swole uh, brain in a jar. Yeah, yeah, you still swole. <laughs> You can do you got one in each hand, you're like, hey. <laughs> you all stand on your individual pressure plates and you all see each one in turn turning green. You hear a, a whizzing kind of and then clunk as the panels beneath you all open up and you drop down into darkness. And that's where we'll take our second break. Don't worry, no one is gonna die of like falling damage, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Tanager was super ready for this. He smelled what was coming. Yeah, oh yeah, you love it. You <laughs> love it. Anyway, thank you for joining us for the second half of this episode of the Vibrating Kids Podcast. We'll be back in just a few moments' time. If you would like to take those few moments to go and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, I don't know if we're on Spotify. I don't think you can leave reviews on Spotify. Oh, we're on Spotify. Are we? Okay. Well, 
go listen to us on Spotify. Rack up those listens. Listen to us on everything and see which one sounds best. Just review us to your friends. Do that Justin Bieber thing where you just play it on mute while you're asleep over and over. Leave us a review uh, if you want a funny voice done, if you want a done sung backwards or shouted or I don't know. Use your imagination. It'll be great. We'll see you in a moment. Bum, bum, bum. Ooh, I am the ghost of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Did you know we have official merchandise on redbubble.com? Just imagine owning your very own notepad with the Fire Breathing Kittens logo on the front. Or walking down the street with one of your favorite characters on a t-shirt, no less. It's wonderful. On a more serious note, folks, we'd just like to take a moment to sincerely thank all of you for listening. Now, we don't pay to advertise this show, so the only way we can grow is through the support of listeners like you. And, you know, those ghosts, they're really handy in a pinch. Anyway, thank you again, and back to part three. Let me tell you, it's a doozy. Welcome back to the third and final part of this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Thank you for sticking with us thus far. We have just fallen through four admittedly quite narratively obvious trapdoors in the floor, falling down, down into darkness. What lies beyond? Well, let's find out together, shall we? However, I will ask... Just for the time being, Tanager, please take off your headphones. I feel like I'm being called in the principal's office right now. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Okay, Boltzmann and Tobias, both of you wake up in the corridor, but looking around, no one else is there. Obviously, you know, your robot monkey butler and your displaced beast and your otter, they're all there with you. However, Mendax and Tanager are both missing. So Mm. looking around, you see where you think the trapdoor would have been above you, but it's far, far like higher, it's really high up, and you can't even see where you think it's come from. Maybe it's, you know, being covered over by a layer of stone or maybe even magic. But for all intents and purposes, you are alone in this dark corridor that leads further on. You can see a small door right at the far end. But both of you, just give me a quick perception check. 18. I get a 17. 17 and 18, okay, more or less the same. Both of you get the sense, like, the other side of this door, you swear you hear, like, a sort of a clinking noise. But as both of you get up to uh, start moving, as you start clinking yourselves, that noise just stops. So there's a clinking noise when we are not moving, but it stops when we are moving. But if you do stop moving, it doesn't start again. So it's only a faint, like, clinking noise, almost as if it was just a brief metal-on-metal contact or maybe a coin dropping. I say, hello, is someone there? Your voice echoes down the hallway, but you do not get a response. And you said this is a door um, that we're seeing? Or the clinking is from behind a door? The clinking's from behind the door, yeah. Hmm. Tobias, it would seem that uh, both Tanager and Mandax have been separated from us. Perhaps these trapdoors separate wizards from bards or people of average intelligence from from people of, of higher intelligence, so to speak. Or fabulous people from from metal people. Indeed. <laughs> Very observant. Yes. 
I do have this cowboy hat, so I feel like if that were the case, then I would probably be part of the fabulous people. You are wrapped in linen, so looks good <laughs> on you, man. I am feeling a little more noble. Um, sure. Uh, try to open the door with door, see what happens. Oh, uh, yes. I believe this would be the best course of action. Just kick open the door. You kick open the door. The door opens into a medium-sized circular room, right dead center Inside this room is an ornate old sarcophagus. It's closed and it's surrounded by small piles of treasure. Actually, Boltzmann, you've already deciphered enough of these runes. So there are a number of runes etched into this um, sarcophagus. And it says Pelentis, which you recognize as the name of the old king mentioned in the poem on the tablets. However, just give me a quick, I don't know, it's a bit pointless at this point. Give me a quick intelligence check. Don't worry, it is quite an easy one, but I could make it a 20. You'd be absolutely fine. I've got a 9 plus 8, 17. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. And once again, it is fairly basic. You do notice, however, that the spelling of Palentis on this sarcophagus is not the same as the spelling of Palentis on the tablets. Hmm, how odd. There seems to be a incongruency in the spelling of King Palentis's name. That's strange. Can I do another? I'm going to try another detect magic and see what I sense around here. Uh, yeah, you certainly can. Uh, while okay. you're at it, Tobias, also give me a perception roll. Okay. Oh, that was bad. Uh, I got an eight for perception. Well, we'll combine this with the, the magic you roll. You send out your wave of detect magic. And once again, from all around you, you feel this like suppressing magical feeling as if like the whole surrounding area it was like no no magic passed here must keep things safe but aside from that you look at this uh, sarcophagus and you think yeah it's old lots of treasure around it this is pretty nice but you think maybe the clinking sound was one of these coins because there's quite a lot of it around can we have a look around to see where the uh, noise came from you certainly can i mean you can't necessarily know for sure but yeah um give me an investigation roll it's a 29 you go digging around in these money piles and you definitely see that one of the piles has been disturbed quite recently because you see like this one specific coin which is a couple of feet away from you know one of these piles which seems to have fallen over so you think okay so a coin fell off somewhere or like moved and hit this pile but what moved it the mm. buyers do you think that perhaps uh Reality has been split in twain, and Thanager and Mandax are in the other half of this universe. I'm not quite sure I know what those words mean put together. Um, well, it's but... quite simple. Sometimes universe splits in twain, and there's, uh, there's, there's different people doing the same thing in the same location, but uh, they influence one another, and by the end of it, everything happens uh, concurrently, but in separate universes. <laughs> but but what do you think happened with, with the clinking and the coin in here? Shall we try and uh, see if we can communicate with Tanager and Mandax? Yeah, we could try that. Perhaps if we knock over one of these piles in some sort of organized fashion, they will be able to understand that it's us. I feel like there's something going on with this pile of gold. Something caused it to move. And perhaps we can cause another pile of gold, gold somewhere else to move. Boltzmann pushes over a pile of gold. Okay. Uh, you push over a pile of gold quite close to the sarcophagus itself. 
and a couple of coins kind of just land against and like bounce off it. And at that moment, the sarcophagus opens wide, teeth sprouting from it, and a great long tongue latches around you. And the sarcophagus mimic takes a big old chump of robot brain. I uh, know. I do. I did take the alert feed last level, so I can't be surprised. Okay. Oh, goodness. So make a quick uh, dexterity saving throw in that case, just to get out of harm's way. But that's only a nine. Only a nine. That's that's all right. Once again, you can't be surprised, so we should probably give it uh, some credence in that regard. So, yeah, the mimic launches itself towards you, but you manage to wheel yourself backwards because, let's face it, you don't trust anything <laughs> in this place anymore. And the mimic just lands like mouth down just on this pile of gold and you you swear you hear coming from it just groaning like mine 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 tobias no parallel universe <laughs> let's battle I, I i'd like to ask one more question do i perceive anything in here that we really want i mean besides gold could we just walk out of the room or is there is there another room we're trying to get to I would just say, like, at, at the far end, there does seem to be another, like, um, just a, a, sm a small gate with an indentation next to it, which seems to be a, a good place to put, like, a lever. And as the mimic's, like, jaws open wide, you do see, like, a stick of wood pointing out of it. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> so you, you can completely just walk past it. It's not bothered about you. But you can kill it if you want. You're absolutely fine. Looking at actual mimics, they are well below your level. So you could probably oh, just right. you know, squash it if you were. You've got like a monkey butler with an assault rifle and a, <laughs> and a really strong displacer beast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, I'll, just, just um, tell me you want to squish it and we'll squish it. Yeah. Let's just squish it, I guess. Yeah. So this mimic is like not even bothered. It just wants all the gold and you just like stand around into beat the thing to death because <laughs> let's face it it had it coming yeah yeah i've got a wand of magic missiles and i'll just you know send a send a few but i'm sure i'm sure boltzmann is bringing the real power the uh arcane assault rifle is a wand of magic missiles it's the same thing but uh, that's what the monkey is <laughs> so one the magic missiles but with the skin of an ak-47 <laughs> This, what it does, it, is, it, it fires nine missiles per round that each do uh, two to five damage. <laughs> that's, a, that's an arcane assault rifle to me. <laughs> Give me a quick uh, overview of how you absolutely muller this mimic. All right. Boltzmann uh, is going to uh, roll around um, and uh, out of his uh, torso comes a uh, giant uh, electrocuted harpoon. Uh, that's that's fires the fires through the mimic, just uh, shattering all the woods. Uh, <laughs> I'm reskinning everything. This is just a uh, a javelin of lightning, but it's a charged harpoon, everybody. Uh, and then, like his little firebolt laser pistol comes out and uh, also shoots it. Uh, the displacer beast is gonna wail on this this minute this mimic, and uh, Mister Langley, the steel defender. Stoic, as always, grabs his assault rifle and uh, starts shooting it for a total of uh, 27 force damage. <laughs> Tobias, do you want to get in on this action? He's not really offensive. He tries. He does a level one magic missile, which did six. So he, yeah, <laughs> he kind of, 
Yeah, we'll, kind we'll, of. Yeah, we'll, we'll call that the, like the straw that broke the camel's back, or in this case, <laughs> broke the mimic's spine. <laughs> I'll need to roll a d20 to see if the one of magic missiles breaks. Uh, that's a three, so it only breaks in a natural one. <laughs> okay, you're all good. Teaming up, you absolutely murder this this mimic. Um, you like wrench the lever from its open mouth and fit it into the slot at the end of the hall. You uh, pull it down, the door opens, and you walk on forward to the actual treasure room. Now, we should probably bring Tanager back because he might have gotten into some trouble. <laughs> we shut him out too long. Okay, hi. Do you have a Revivify? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Say it with me, all. He's not, not that, that kind, kind of cleric. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone take a drink. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. No, I don't. Tanager, welcome to the Thunderdome now. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> you wake up in a corridor. The only ones there are you and Mendax. He pulls himself to a sitting position and is like, oh, wait, where are the others? Uh, don't know. Must be some sort of tube situation. Sounds about right, isn't it? This sort of place is... There's always one more, isn't there? Almost one more challenge. Oh, you alright? You injured? Yeah, I'm, I'm alright. I'm alright. Just a... I think I might have landed a, a bit weird. I better be alright. Alright, quick drink and a smoke and then let's get on with this. <laughs> yeah, well... Anyway, actually, while I've got you here, Tanager, because you know Nesgrax pretty well don't you I'm, I'm sorry if i'm like jumping this on you but i've just been thinking about some stuff recently so if you wouldn't mind being a bit of a sounding board i'd be oh. appreciative of course he sits cross-legged on the ground so must have been like two years ago now because there was a there was a year's time jump somewhere in the gap yeah two years ago like nesgrax and i joined the guild we were basically you know best friends for the entire lot and then this whole hho thing happened and I just kind of had to deal with that, you know, and, you know, it's, it's kind of just taken over a bit. And I'm starting to get worried that Nesgrax thinks that I only see him as a, like a means to an end now. <sighs> I want to talk to him so badly about all this, but I don't know how to talk to him. Well, I don't think you should worry so much about using him. Mendax, Nesgrax is an incredibly capable arcane caster. I've seen him do things that lesser people could never do. And the things that he's went through, you'll put yourself at this risk, but you don't trust him enough to take on the risk himself. That's what you should feel bad about, my friend. Uh, at the, I mean, at the very least, now we're getting towards the, like, the end game of this all. You know, we are so close to finishing the HHO once and for all, but... Uh, I've just been focusing on this so hard, like just to try and like protect him, because you know he was more or less the first friend I made here. Well, that's very sweet, but trust him to protect himself. And your whole solution to this is once we get out of this pyramid, go to him and say the things that you're nervous about saying. And then once they're out in the open, you'll have this weight off your chest, and you can go back to what you're doing. But yeah, a good friend will go tell them. Your room is still there in the guild hall. You can come home anytime. Thanks, Danager. I, I know I needed to hear that. You know, it's just difficult with all this going on. I've been so focused on like my old changeling gang going insane and 
I'm just looking forward to being able to actually have a, a nice quiet drink. Do you know I haven't actually been able to finish a drink since this whole thing started? Like even the one back, you know, back in the bar, still well, like only half, half drunk. Like my brain cannot rest until this is all done. Uh, Tanninger will not move from this spot until Mendax finishes a drink in front of him. This ends when you say it ends. If you want to talk to Nesgrax, you go talk to Nesgrax. If you want to finish a drink, you finish a drink. Okay. Okay. Give me a drink. Uh, so, canonically on my character sheet, I have, uh, Lemon Gin in a sacred flask. He has his emergency brandy and his holiday wines and things, but his sacred lemon gin, he very rarely brings out. And canonically, this is the first time he's done it in the campaign. So, he also has like a drinking horn. So he passes uh, Mendax the drinking horn and then just drinks out of the flask afterwards. I guess he's to seeing this through. To the end of things. And Tanager drinks. Drink, 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 drink. Alright, let's go find the boys. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. They've probably gotten into some sort of trouble, haven't they? Oh, I'm sure nothing happened at all. Cool, so let's uh, keep on going. Yeah, let's keep walking. I, I've got a feeling we won't run into anything before we get to where we're going. Uh, yeah, so what's the hallway look like? A long dark hallway, um, at the end of which seems to be a set of stairs leading up. Let's see. Um, I... Actually, give me give me a perception check. Oh no, I haven't been doing good with those. Oh my goodness! Rule of threes. That's a big juicy one. Just <laughs> a cockroach walking across my floor. Ah, oh wonderful. Okay, so what do, what do you think this natural one looks like? It tastes like embarrassment. Like Tanninger tries to like prod its steps being like there might be stair traps and is like oh i think i found one fully slips bashes his nose fully breaks his nose and is just like blood pouring down his face just embarrassed in front of one of his heroes oh no i think i missed that step and then like chokes down a big burp of alcohol (laughs) With that embarrassment, Tanager and Mendax make their way up to the actual treasure room. Hello. Well, hello. Oh, what's up, guys? What's going on? Oh, not much. We found a fake sarcophagus that was actually a monster in disguise, but I believe we killed it within six seconds. Cool. Arbitrarily, even. We didn't make it a combat. Have we found the book yet? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, Andrew begins. Oh, go ahead. Looking around. Well, I'm assuming these two things form, because if it's a Tanager begins looking around the treasure room, I was about to say, what you see looking around the treasure room? <laughs> Great minds. So you're standing in a tall domed room with a large black obsidian obelisk in its centre. This too is covered in those same ancient runes as you've seen so many times before, everyone. And we currently have a very, very knowledgeable artificer. And Boltzmann, you would recognize this combination of runes and this like obelisk as like more or less a magical transmitter. It would seem this uh, obelisk is transmitting some information to somewhere else in the universe. Where is a mystery to me? Down by the base of the obelisk, there is 
one more tablet that you have yet to have a look at. Yeah, we need this full story. Yeah. Well, it's equally cryptic, I'm afraid. But this last verse says, They are no fools. They know the time will come. So they lie in wait and will know when it is done. Well, that explains the transmitter. I'm no arcanist. This seems to be some sort of focus. I've been around a scrying spell or two. They might be using this to monitor things. What was the significance of that book? I believe it was in the third or fourth tablet. As far as I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Boltzmann, but it was something along the lines of the visitors who, you know, they came down and helped the first people tame the wilds, I think they said. And the secrets of maybe how they did that are in this book we're looking for. And that obviously Mephistopheles is looking for. Okay, I don't want to make a bunch of logic jumps here, but changelings, hellfire. This HHO seems to want things very malleable. And if this book has the secrets of how to tame the wilds, maybe change physical forms of things itself, yeah, this is a bad book. We'll need to find this book before anyone else gets it. Okay, everyone have a spread out and search. Earlier on it said... Yeah, yeah, the secrets lie in their ancient book that rests in this tomb of King Palentis. Yes, yes, the Sphinx said something along those lines as well. Maybe it's actually with the king's body? Oh my god, is that that dumb skeleton I sat on? I don't think so. He's probably here somewhere. Shall we gather up this treasure while we're here? I mean, we can tense ours that's out of the room, like, and then... I mean, just trade it to some of the diggers, because they're not HHO. We can just pay them off to carry it for us. and we, we can get, We'll we get this treasure. We got some floating discs and uh, bags of holding, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need any workers. But we need to find... This book. This dude's body. Uh, could we make history checks? Because maybe they did that thing where they put the organs in jars. Or, like, you know, maybe he's just ashes. Like... Help us narrow down what we're looking for body-wise. I can do you one better. If everyone just makes me either a perception or investigation check. Also, I was going to ask, I have my detect magic maybe still running because it wasn't that long ago I cast it. Uh, 13 for me. Okay. 28 investigation. Ooh. Oh. 29 investigation. <laughs> oh, okay, so we'll say um, Boltzmann and Tobias is like minds link up for a moment like tobias has like this ring of magical radar going off to go okay magic 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 non magic 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 non magic blah 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 and both of you like zone in on this old dusty sarcophagus almost lying as if dumped in a corner and you see the runes boltzmann like inscribed on the front this also says palentis similar to the one you saw earlier even but this one it's spelled the same way as in the tablets as you get closer and look, this sarcophagus has already been opened. There is a body inside which was once covered in like thick layers of bandages and seems to have like had their arms like covered across their chests as if holding something. But the arms have been thrown wide, the bandages have been ripped off. And it seems that while there once was a book here, there is now no longer a book here. What's this now? The book has already been taken. No. Boltzmann, if the DM allows it, will use his museum apparatus to cast Speak With Dead. Ooh. Oh, yeah, gladly. Go for it. 
gonna roll a d20 that's a 28 so uh we're fine which means like in hellboy we uh grant this corpse a semblance of life uh and it can answer a couple questions <laughs> okay uh, i do also have something on tanager's investigation we can do this first it will tie together quite nicely you can ask the corpse up to five questions the corpse knows only what it knew in life including the languages it knew okay so it doesn't know uh <laughs> whether anybody took the book i don't mind trading you those uh, five separate questions for one vaguely rambling statement about what happened after you <laughs> did it all right uh, what does the corpse say as boltman says greetings corpse tell us what happened to your book the corpse kind of like <laughs> sits bolt upright and just goes, they took it. They took it. Thieves in the night. They took it from us. Sorry, that's way more golem than I was expecting. <laughs> Ooh, can I use my detect thoughts to delve deeper into this corpse's mind to try to like get a more accurate depiction of what he's trying to ramble out? Yeah. Um, I'll just give you like the vague gist because like there isn't even a brain left. So Oof. you just get like this idea of like of just flashes images of people opening a sarcophagus, light shines in and then like arms getting like ripped asunder, like the book getting taken, then no more. However, Tanager, as you shoot your brain rays, I guess, <laughs> towards this direction, you're also like having a wander around seeing what you can find. Uh, Mendax is sat in a corner just like writing something on a piece of paper trying to like collect his thoughts and whatnot whereas you managed to find round the back kind of almost hidden behind an equally enormous stack of like golden cups and plates and candlesticks and all that you find a section of wall that appears to have been blown inwards so in towards the chamber and you feel a draft coming down as you peek your head inside and see like a long winding tunnel leading off into the distance. And down by your little hoovesies, you find a scrap of parchment as if left by those that were here before you. I read this scrap of parchment. It's been torn quite hurriedly, so you only get a partial bit of the sentence. I walk over to my wizard friends and go, Mend it. Wait, oh no, I know mending for clothes, so I'm mending it. Just so it doesn't tear in my hands. Yeah, yeah, just to keep it together, yeah. Yeah. There's a maybe a name you can't quite read. just says, blah, 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 assures us he can get us through without setting off any traps. If the legends are true, even a small portion of Palentis' treasure would be enough to found a kingdom on. And it's signed L.S. L.S. Can I make an insight or some sort of check to remember that name? Because Tanger's not the best with names. Or like the initials, what a name... It could represent. I won't make you roll for it. It's like you scowl your brain and you're like, LS, LS. I mean, that could be anyone, right? Lemon uh, Sorongo. Do I know anyone named Lemon Sorongo? I don't know. You're thinking maybe this will mean something to someone else. Oh, uh, I passed it to Mendax. LS, LS. I don't know, Tanager. I mean, we'd have to find out how long ago this happened because. Judging by that paper, I don't know, maybe a couple of decades. We are, wow, we are really late on this one. Oh, damn, so close. Yeah, so close. Um, I looked to the, the Robo Bros. What are we doing with this one? So, Manex, you're saying that you got us into this pyramid and solving riddles. 
that apparently weren't solved before, only for us to arrive at an empty sarcophagus without the actual artifact that we're looking for. Well, I point to the wall that's blown in and go, I don't think they came in through proper channels. So I, I think they probably skipped the whole riddle thing. I'm just asking, why are we here? <sighs> well, I'm asking that myself, to be honest. Uh, we just tried to get in before the HHO and Mephistopheles did. If they were looking for this book and they got it, I, I don't want to even imagine what he could do with it. What, is it. what happens if they access this obelisk? I'm not sure that's made for any of us. I'm not sure even he would be able to use this properly. But, okay, wait, no, it doesn't add up. If the HHO is still sending diggers here, then they don't have the book. So someone else took the book. Maybe Mephistopheles is going around the edge. I, I, this might be a dead lead. Could you check the blown-in wall to see if, like, any magic was used? Because I heard from uh, Nesgrax that he was interested in Hellfire, and that's a heck of an explosion over there. I go over and check it, yeah, sure. You do get a certain sense of magical, like, residue, but it's old, old, old stuff. But you do also find a few charred remains of what seem to be, like, large barrels, which you think may have also just been used to physically blast the thing open. Okay, so someone else has the book. Mandax, next time you want something done, I suggest you just let me know in person and let me lead the investigation instead of <laughs> leading us on a wild goose chase through a forced fake vacation. I'll take this vacation now, thank you very much, and then after that, I will hunt down the HHO and I will reduce them to ashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, take that. I'll take that. I think I need one to be honest. But oh, yeah, I'm, I am sorry, guys. This was uh, well. It happened again. Let me tell you. I don't know what you're talking about. He starts scooping gold into his bag of holding. <laughs> failure? What's the failure? <laughs> Wait a sec. Oh man, hold on. Hanninger wants to, at the risk of being socially uncouth. Detect thoughts on a Mendax and like do the deep dive where you make a, a wisdom saving throw. Because when he says this key, oh, it happened again. I don't know. That didn't ring right. He meant it ending in failure. Yeah. Yeah. Because like keep sending people off on things and stuff keeps going wrong. But that was a 17 as a wisdom saving throw. Everything like I do try and get further in this mystery trying to take Mephistopheles down it just keeps ending in failure I send people to do stuff and it all goes wrong I don't think this one was on you it seems like this book was taken long ago I mean yeah it was a bad lead but the HHO is also as dumb as we are hey can one of you create a fake book of course yeah fake book put it in the sarcophagus put it like we found us and then Maybe that'll mess with the HHO. You guys are smart. Put some bad spells in it. Ooh, do a spell that's like, oh, this is how you take over the world. And then it's just like reverse scrying so we know where their base is. I can fabricate something out of some of the gold and wood in here. So it's a really fancy looking book. And uh, and then I'll place like a glyph of warding on it so that, you know, when it gets picked up, they just, I don't know. They they get assaulted by psychic damage or something. <laughs> I look at Mendax and I'm like, hey man, like, see, we're, we're doing some stuff. We're making moves. 
Yeah, we, we may have uh, fallen short on this one, but I think we might be all right. However, just as Mendnex says, I think we'll be all right. A large crash comes from the main entrance of the treasure room. Rocks fly everywhere. And as the dust settles, walking out of the debris stands a man in a top hat, a monocle, and has a slick, twirly moustache. Mendex looks back at you briefly and hisses, It's Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles looks at you all, brushes some dust off his suit, says, You know, Saffron warned me I may have some company on this little excursion, but I didn't think you'd be stupid enough to lead your friends to their deaths too, yarn spinner. And Mendax looks back, says, Saffron, this is uh, Saffron Bee Lady from previous adventures. Mm. She's still working with you. Uh, Mephistopheles goes, please, working with me? Not a chance. Mm, For me, in a sense. Well, thanks to your friend Nesgrax, I learned long ago that my servants need a bit more motivation and a little less mm, free will. Saffron got away once to warn you, but she could only resist my brand for so long. She's just a mindless husk right now, merely a conduit for my will. But why? All she wanted to do was make this lot pay for train tickets and you twisted her into something unrecognisable. What was the point of it all? Well, you're very mouthy, aren't you? I will very much enjoy killing you. However, I am here for a reason. That book, the one from King Pilentis, give it here and I'll put aside my own enjoyment and kill you quickly. Well, you heard the man, Tobias. Give him the book. Oh no, Tobias, no. That book is so special to us. (laughs) (laughs) He holds it tight like he doesn't want to. The book flies out of your hands and towards him. Uh, He opens it, rifles through the pages, and is like, You know, if you wish to trick someone, you really need to put something on the inside of the book. (laughs) You know, like words. (laughs) Hadn't got around to that. You suck, dude. Just know you suck. The book goes up in flames, and Mendax shoots back. Well, we got some bad news for you, pal. The book's gone. The HHO is finished. You poured the last of your resources into this dig, and now you have nothing to show for it. Mephistopheles looks a little bit confused and goes, What? That's right, the book's gone. Looks like it was taken years ago. You're out of luck. You're out of cash. You've lost Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles looks angry, and for the first time you can really see his devilish form properly start to come out of his human facade. And he says, Listen here, you pestilent, pathetic, putrescent mortal. I was perfectly happy before Nesgrax decided to betray me. Do you know what Asmosius does to those with whom he's displeased? Eons of torture. Every waking moment was excruciating pain, and all I could think of was revenge. I escaped the rack and fought my way out of the pit, just to see the look on that detestable dragonborn's face, when I take away everything and everyone he loves. That book may have helped me speed things up a bit, but I can certainly check one thing off my list by tearing you limb from limb, yarn spinner. I may have lost this round. But don't think for a second that you've won. Mephistopheles raises his hand and shoots a huge torrent of fire towards you all. Mendax throws up a shimmering wall of energy, blocking the fire, and it rebounds into a wall, throwing rocks and dust even further into the air. Mendax looks back to the tunnel in the wall and wiggles his head. He whispers, get out now. 
I'll hold him off. And he looks at you, Tanager, says, Tell Nesgrax I'm sorry. Never more has Tanager ever wished he was a proper cleric. He has no sort of, like, sanctuaries or anti-evils he can do. And he is a talker, so just bites his lip, nods, turns away, and, like, runs. But he also thinks he knows where that book is. He knows one person with the last name that starts with an S who happens to have a big family library. The three of you, armed with knowledge, you think, you hope. You run into the tunnel as the treasure room around you begins to collapse. Flashes of light and heat follow you as you run until an almighty crash sounds behind you and all light and sound are cut off. You are alone in the silence. It could be minutes, it could be hours later, but following the tunnel, you come across a trapdoor that leads you back into the cellar of the very same bar you visited earlier. On the bar top still lies Mendax's unfinished drink, now looking alone and forlorn. You take a moment to toast your fallen comrade and begin the long journey home. Uh, Tanager definitely finishes the rest of his drink. I mean, someone has to. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, everyone for joining us from this episode of the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Join us next week for an entirely different adventure with an entirely different set of new characters and hopefully not quite as much sadness. You never know. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, joining us this week were Tobias. That was too sad. Boltzmann. I am 80% sure this actually happened and it was not an hallucination. And Tanager. What a day. A hero died. A hero died. Thank you and good night. In a world with two brothers, six bottles, and endless opinions, comes a comedy podcast tale as old as time. The Half Hour Bros podcast has been hailed as so funny, you have to hear it to believe. Join Kurt and Tom as they talk beer, reviews, and the world as they see it through their slightly drunker eyes. The Half Hour Bros Podcast is streaming on almost all major platforms. At Half Hour Bros Pod for the Twitter and email halfhourbros at gmail.com. October Jones and Fish with Legs Podcast Best Friend Super Ultimate Listening Experience. Okay. It's a buddy comedy adventure about me, October Jones. The brain. And fish with legs. The legs. As we try to save the world from being eaten, apparently. With the power of friendship, we face wacky situations, whimsical new locations, and the dangers of colonialism. All with a mature but family-friendly appeal. Listen to October Jones and Fish with Legs on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else. And for exclusive secret content, visit us at octoberandfish.ca. I'm a true blue Aussie, and I love to listen to It's Just Bits. It's a couple of yanks that are on that show. Uh, I'm Larry Dingo, which is short for Larry Gondrongo, and my, and my deaf partner here... Wallaby. And that's possibly his name. We've been calling him Wallaby because it, it's mostly what he says. It's Just Bits. You can check us out on all the streaming services. Uh, the Pornhub one's not us, by the way. <laughs> is there one? No, there will be when I get home tonight. <laughs> Oh, you're still here. Oh, okay.
Why? Podcast's over. Go listen to another episode.